When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, it's pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Wrestling Omakase, episode number 71. And this week on the show, I am joined by a returning guest and a first-time guest. So let's start out with the returning guest. Hello to Rich Krejci, the boss man. The boss is here. What's up, Rich? What's going on? I like to think of myself as the guardian angel. The guardian angel? What was the other one? The... uh... He had another oh, one that was very close the to the boss, boss man. That now yeah, just, the boss, the right? Boss. <laughs> it was like, no, it's not the boss man. It's the boss. What do you mean? No, it's completely different intellectual property. No, hello, thank you uh, once again for having me on here. I'm pretty excited to do this uh, this episode. Yeah, this should be fun. Um, of course, Rich, you're from the. If, if for some reason you only subscribe to the show instead of the network, uh, Rich is from the Voices of Wrestling flagship podcast. So that is where Rich comes from. Hello. Uh, I'm sure this your, your episode should be going up like a day after us, right? I assume. You I think so. Gonna... Yeah, yeah. We're hopefully going to record uh, the day after we're recording today in this universe, so we don't have to say the date exactly. But yes, no, it should be up, but probably about a day after uh, you guys listen to this. So yeah, definitely check that out on the Voice Wrestling Podcast Network, also VoicesOfWrestling.com, and also follow us on Twitter at Voices Wrestling. So good stuff. You guys are going to be talking Rio Goku time this week, right? So I'm excited. We are. We might even lead off with it. I mean, honestly, I... there's not. I mean, yeah. I mean, obviously, there's a bunch of stuff going on in in, in WWE land, but uh, I think yeah, we both watched it, so I think there's a good chance we start with Big Japan for the first time awesome. in in years. So. That was an awesome show, so I'm excited. It was good. Really good, yeah. And then our first-time guest, hello to Mr. Tate Machines. Uh, Scott, how you doing? I am um, 
good in general. I'm a little sick, so everyone's going to have to uh, luxuriate in my scratchy voice. Um, so I'm pretty excited about that. But uh, yeah, I'm excited to do the show. Uh, we asked you. We talked about maybe doing uh, the WWF recap show, and I was a little fuzzy on a couple of those years, so I turned that one down. I hoped I would get a chance to come back on or uh, come on for the first time at some point. And this one was um, definitely right up my alley because I am fuzzy on none of these things. Um, <laughs> I have a pretty good memory of WCW. Uh, it was, you know, my favorite company at the time. So, uh, yeah. Too, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah are we all in agreement by that? Were we all WCW kids? Because I was like, I started with WWF, I guess. Like, my, that's what my cousin was into. But it was really like WCW like Nitro in like 1997 that like I really like jumped full into and then like into, you know, Thunder in 98. Like that was my, what I really grew up with and that's what I really liked as a kid. So yeah. I definitely was. Yeah. I, I was definitely that way. Sorry. Sorry not to cut you off. No, uh, no, Scott, no. But no, I was definitely like, I, I always liked WWF and, but I always really liked WCW a lot more. And like, I, I watched WWF, for, you know, like 93, 94, uh, mostly because whatever was on after it on Saturday mornings, I think it was like Pacific Blue or something like that. But it's like, <laughs> that's the only reason I really watch wrestling because I was like, when's Pacific Blue going to come on? Like, or whatever, whatever dumb Saturday morning show that my idiot little kid in mind wanted to watch. But um, so I watched it a little bit then and then I kind of fell off and I got back in, in, in 97 because of WCW. I mean, I was, I turned it on. And it was like Randy Savage and Hulk Hogan. I'm like, what the hell is going on here? And they're all different and they're unique. And just, it was a completely different show. And even going back now, I mean, I will watch the hell out of an old Nitro. I'll watch the hell out of an old uh, WCW pay-per-view. I have a real tough time watching, you know, anything old WWF or, you know, or anything of the nineties WWF or whatnot. It just yeah. doesn't, I don't know, for whatever reason, it just doesn't quite work for me, man. I could put any episode of Nitro on to this day and still really enjoy it. So no, I, I always kind of, it, it sucked because everybody more gravitated towards WWF and I get it. It was obviously a little bit more and, and everybody obviously gravitated towards WWF. My buddies did as well, but deep down I was always kind of a big WCW guy and always really enjoyed WCW more. I mean, that first hour watching it unopposed was my favorite. Cause it was like, yeah, all WCW. And then, you know, I jump back and forth or whatnot, but I would usually stick with WCW longer than, uh, WWF. So yeah, I consider myself in some ways kind of a, a WCW kid in that way. Yes, exactly the same with me where I watched the first hour unopposed and then I'd switch back and forth. But I, as a kid, I remember just really being into like, you know, I, I don't know, I guess I was like a, a smart as even as a child because I loved the cruiserweights. Like I just loved watching yes. these tiny men just like fly around and do all this crazy shit. So I don't know, that was like, that started my love affair with like, you know, tiny, fast-paced men wrestling that I guess would later <laughs> become the first time I found a Toriumon tape. But, um, but yeah, and then, like, I was deep in denial about WCW's decline, and in, like, 98, I would just insist, like, no, it's still good. And then, you know, as my friends and everybody else moved more and more towards WWF, and, you know, by the time you got to, like, 99, I think everybody kind of gave up the ghost. But, um, yeah, it's a, it was a weird... A weird but cool time, and then obviously I went back and watched a lot more of the stuff I had missed. Uh, so that's that's another question then for both of you. Did, how did you did you watch any of these views contemporaneously, like at the time? Like, did you have access to like a box or something, or were your God, you know, if your parents were actually ordering you pay per views every month? Because I I had a family member who had like one of those, you know, uh, not legal boxes. And I did see a great deal of WWE pay-per-views in like ninety, like ninety-seven into ninety-eight before they lost, and WWF pay-per-views where they lost the box in like ninety-nine. So obviously, I went back and watched almost all of this later on the network. 
but um, contemporaneously, like probably 97 to like 99 is when I saw the almost every show as it happened. What about you guys? Uh, yeah, the um, the first pay-per-view I ever ordered um, was Starcade 96. I was 14. I had to see Hogan and Piper. Um, like it was just, it was something I remember from being a really little kid and they did the, you know, at the time I thought it was a good promo at the end of Halloween Havoc 96. Um, and I, that was the first one I ever ordered. I ordered that with Christmas money. And then a few months later, I, my birthday is in March. So I, I, I wound up getting Starcade and WrestleMania every year with, with different like holiday money. Um, and I also got Bash at the Beach 97, which I ordered that one by bullshitting my way through repainting my uh, aunt's deck, like her pool deck. And I didn't do a good job at all. And I pretty much abandoned it as, as soon as I had the uh, $30 <laughs> to order Bash at the Beach 97 uh, to see Dennis Rodman's debut. Um, and then after that, uh, 98, I had a friend who... His mom had one of the boxes. Uh, a lot of the time I would watch through the scrambling because I would either get um, on the scramble pay-per-view channel, I would either get really good audio so I could listen and it would just have no picture or I would have pretty good picture and no audio. So I would watch on mute. Um, so I was pretty plugged in every pay-per-view, even if I wasn't actually uh, uh, watching I definitely Legally. did that. I definitely did the scramble thing a few times. I was I not I was not a few times. I was an every month scramble kid. So like my mom yeah. was never ever gonna buy me a pay per view ever. And and then when she found out that I could listen to them for free, then she was like, "Well, now I de- I never should have told her that." <laughs> like I showed her that you could do this, and I was like, "See, this is awful. I can't watch it." And she was like, "Well, no, you can hear it just fine." And I was like, "Oh, you're right." Like so, I kind of used it as like a radio. Uh, which was not the best for Tony Schiavone. <laughs> and like at that point, like 98 Tony Schiavone calling wrestling that he'd already kind of given up and was kind of over it. But no, I was a uh, pretty much from mid 97 until God, 2000, every single month, I was a scramble vision kid where I would just go down there. And, and I remember I had like a little basketball hoop in my basement or like, I just like wrestle or I'd play video games or I'd, I'd, I'd have something that I could do with like a, a spare TV. So I kind of always enjoyed that as well. So I was definitely a scramble vision kid, but I did, uh, I did also have a, a buddy who had a black box and occasionally he would give me VHSs, And for whatever, reason he only recorded wcw pay-per-views like i don't know if he just didn't care about WWE pay-per-views or maybe that was me asking for wcw pay-per-views i don't remember but i do remember vividly like once every few months like being able to pop in a a, a black boxed uh wcw pay-per-view so I, I i definitely remember that so i was mostly scramble vision for the pay-per-views but uh and and like yeah every single week of nitro too i never ever ever missed uh, an, an episode of nitro i remember one time i i joined a basketball league uh, as as a kid and it was on Mondays we had practices and I was pissed I was like mom I I can't do this and like I was already at that point becoming a fat little kid because I was watching so much wrestling probably so she was like no you definitely need to be in this basketball league but man it it it, it was tough I really 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 did not want to miss any episode of Nitro ever so I uh yeah it, it definitely sucked and once that league was over it was, uh, it was definitely good and I made sure to never ever join a, a so- Monday league ever again so. <laughs> so I assume both of you have you all seen every since 94 after the fact yeah oh i have no gaps at this point anything that i still had like um i've watched since the network has come around so um so it's been a few years since i had any gaps whatsoever I might have a few here and there, but I think more times than not, I mean, when, when the network loaded up, I the first thing I went to do was watch any WCW 90s 
pay-per-view I never saw. But even at the, you know, back in the tape trading days or whatever, I would get these comp tapes of a bunch of WCW pay-per-views. Uh, so I, I saw pretty much everything. There's probably just a few little shows here and there, but but I feel like going up and on the list as I'm kind of eyeballing it right now, I feel like I've seen just about every single one. So yeah, I think I think if I've missed any, I think I might have missed a few at the start of 95. I think I missed Slamboree. Maybe on no, I think I saw on Sensor. Maybe maybe Super Brawl, but yeah. Other than that, I think I've seen almost all of them. So we'll get into that now. That's the main thing we're going to be doing here, talking about the pay per views, of course, and also talk about storylines that were going on, you know, on Saturday Night and Nitro and such. But we're going to be talking. If you if you didn't hear our um, WWF episode we did a few weeks ago, if you did hear it, it'll be very similar to that. If you didn't hear it, basically we're each going to rate. Each year, WCW from 1994 through 2000, we're going to give it a, on a scale of one to five. So one is the lowest. There is no zeros or negatives or anything, which I know some people are probably thinking about for a few years. But <laughs> um, and we're going to also going to name an MVP for the year. Um, you know, just who we thought was the most valuable to the promotion that year. I don't want to say it's like a like a business MVP or anything. Just more like who was the most valuable towards making the year what it was however you want to rate that or make it enjoy, whether it's like enjoyable for you or just who you thought was the best that year, you know, just your favorite person from that year, as far as like, you know, making the promotion, what it was that year. And then obviously a match of the year we'll pick for each year and a best and worst pay-per-view. So let's start with 1994, which is a very interesting year. And I, when I like started deciding, you know, I decided to do this, you know, I thought 94 is a good start point because basically it's the, it's the start of the Hogan era, which, you know, there's a clear line in WCW pre and post Hogan era. I mean, you could have expanded it out and done all the years since it became WCW. But to me, especially the first few years of the, of quote, WCW feel still feel similar enough to the NWA to make it maybe not quite its own thing. Whereas here, you know, you're starting with um, a completely different era of WCW. So you all, it's like to rate this year though is really hard because you almost have two 1994s, right? I mean, you have yeah. before Hogan and you have after Hogan. And I don't think it's a hot take to say they wildly diverge in quality between the pre and post Hogan eras. Um, so I guess let's start with the first half of the year then. I This half of the year is considered to be really, really good, I think, by a lot of people. Do, you, do both of you agree with that general consensus? Does anyone have think it's maybe a little overrated? I, don't know well, I, think, I, th- I think the first half of 94 is pretty great, yeah. Yeah, I think... Yeah, most- I consider it one of my favorite, like, I mean, I, I, I try to call this year one of my favorite years because I think, you know, even even when Hogan came in, there was still a few months there where it was still pretty solid, but I, I, I solidly think that that first half of 1994 is, like, my favorite year of WCW because there is so much of that blend. Like you said, it, it feels like the NWA, but it feels like there's also kind of a change in the guard as well. There's a lot of new talents coming up. There's guys like Steven Regal having great matches. Uh, you know, Stone, Steve Austin. almost had Stone Cold, not quite yet, but uh, you know, some other guys <laughs> like that. Like, yeah, no, he, he, before he, he's about to get fired, but, uh, you know, like, <laughs> even, you know, like a Dustin Rhodes is doing some good stuff, so it just felt like there was this next crap of guys coming up. There was still kind of your holdover from the NWA. You had, you know, obviously steamboat coming back and doing a lot of really good stuff as well the the amazing steamboat flare match which i'm sure we'll talk about here in a little bit like these awesome like nasty boys tags like cactus jacks in there doing cool stuff like there was just a lot of really fun stuff in that year and it felt like a very cool blend 
in, in some ways of like what WCW had been for the years prior and then what they were potentially going to be in the, in the years, you know, that followed until Hulk Hogan fell in their lap. And then it was like everything got transformed and everything got changed, which, of course, made all the sense in the world business wise. But yeah, for for quality of, of matches and quality of shows wise, didn't quite work out there. But that first half of 94, I think, is is right up there with any year that WCW ever had. I, th- I, I think I'd put it as one of my favorites, if not my favorite. Um, the one thing I was surprised when I went back and saw this for the first time after after hearing so much about it is Super Brawl 4 in, in February 94 I actually don't think is that good. It's like a weirdly, I don't know, you hear like the first half of 94 is so good that my expectations are really high. But like, I don't know, the, the Flair Vader cage match just can't really follow the incredible Starcade match they had. Um, and there's just really nothing else. Like there's a really boring 30 minute match with Steve Regal and Arn Anderson that just, I don't know, did not need to be 30 minutes as much as I like both guys. And just, it's not a very good show. I don't know if anyone wants to defend Super Brawl 4. But that, to me, was my big disappointment of the year. But then the two shows that everybody says are incredible, they are really incredible. I mean, Spring Stampede and Slamboree yeah. are shows of all time. So I guess that makes up for Super Brawl maybe being a little bit of disappointment. Um, any thoughts on, I guess, th- those three shows? The only thing I would defend with Super Brawl 4, and I agreed, the Flair Vader match in particular, um, Really just, it, it's not a bad match, but it just cannot compare to what they did at Starcade 93, which was a truly great match. Um, but I really like the 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 Thunder Cage six-man tag mm. uh, with Dustin mm-hmm. and uh, Brian Pillman staying against Orndorff, Rick Rude, and Steve Austin. I thought that was really good. Um, the undercard is wishy-washy. I'm a huge fan of Stephen Regal, and I'm a huge fan of Arn Anderson. Uh, but yeah, that that match was um, <laughs> thirty. Yeah, it's like a yeah, thirty minute. Just I, like I love it's a the best. They're two of my favorite like North American wrestlers ever. And yeah, that match was really bad. Like I don't know. No, it's 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 not good. <laughs> um, but yeah, Spring Stampede and Slamboree, really awesome shows. I, I don't think that's again not a hot take at all to say those are two of the two of my favorite shows ever. Um, you know, just so much that those two tags of the Nasty Boys obviously were just like. You know, out of this world stuff. Yeah. Um, you got Flair and Steamboat. You've got uh, another great Sting Invader match. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, I'm trying to just think of anything that might not be good from those two shows. I mean, I guess Flair and Barry Windham isn't really that great compared to their past matches, but like, that's pretty much it as far as what's not good. You know, as far as like big matches. Yeah, Stampede '94 is like. Awesome. I mean, like, other than, like, the opener, I think, which is, like, Johnny Be Bad and Diamond Dallas Page, which is, like, fine, six, and it's, like, yeah, six, it's like minutes, six minutes or whatever, you know what I mean? It goes, yeah. it, it's there and back, and I guess, I'm sure Danny Bonaducci, who was in the dark match, probably sucked, too, but uh, <laughs> other than that, uh, no, I, I mean, otherwise, it's, like, solid. I mean, every single other match in that show is is at, at some level solid, and then there's some really good ones. The Nasty Boys, obviously, you mentioned that that t- uh, that tag match. Uh, bunkhouse, bu- the Bunkhouse match with uh, Buck and, and, and Rhodes is awesome, and then Flair mm-hmm. Steamboat uh, is great as well. So it's, it, it is as close to a perfect pay-per-view as, as WCW maybe ever had. I mean, that Springs 10 P 94 is like almost without question, especially in the eras that we're talking about almost unquestionably the, the, the best, if not, you know, one of the best, if not the best pay-per-view of that entire era. Um, do you have any thoughts on Slamboree? Anybody? Cause it's also a show I really love. <sighs> See, that was that legends one, wasn't it? Yeah, but, the, but but like the legends, oh, they were just in the reunion, right? That was ninety yeah, three that only... they actually wrestled. <laughs> that was not and, great. And, and, that, and, yeah. well, well, the only legends match on ninety four is Terry Funk and 
Tully Blanchard, which is actually awesome. Yeah, it's an awesome match. It's only seven minutes, but that match rules. So, yeah, I mean that they, the legends do not ruin the show. The show is awesome. But I don't know. The only thing that the only thing I would consider disappointing from that show, like I said, is uh, Flair and Barry Windham. But you have any thoughts on that, Scott? Slamboree or Spring Stampede? Yes, well, I mean Spring Stampede. You pretty much said it all. It's a, it's a great, great show. I would also throw in that the Vader uh, boss match on that show was really good. Um, uh, Slamboree '94. I love that Terry Funk Tully Blanchard match. I mean, that thing is like it's. Terry Funk coming back to WCW in like a big stage and he's doing it in Philly where he's had some success with early ECW and he's like getting to be well-known there. I mean, not that he wasn't well-known already, but you know, he's like a local favorite now. Um, And he's just doing the crazy old man, Terry Funk shit. And Tully Blanchard, you forget is not really that old in 94. It's just, he's basically been blackballed from major wrestling. Um, So it's just, it's just a really good seven minute fight. Um, the rest of the show is good. You know, Sting Invader in the main event is for a Sting Invader match, not great, but it's still a Sting Invader match, so it's pretty good. Uh, the Cactus and Sullivan Nasty Boys match is awesome. Uh, Flair and Wyndham is okay. I mean, it's it, it's certainly no Flair Wyndham 87 or anything, but yeah. you know, it's also a 13 minute match, so it was just a different time. Uh, especially it, it, Barry Wyndham's one of those guys who like. When he was really on, he was really, really great. And when he wasn't, he was really mediocre. Um, yeah. For sure. And, you know, uh, the Dustin Bunkhouse Buck Bull Rope match was fine. Zabisco and Regal was fine. I mean, I, I, I thought Slamberry was a I really good that, show. I like that. I like that match, actually, Zabisco and Regal. Yeah. All 11 and a half minutes, I thought was pretty damn good, actually. But how does anybody remember? I don't remember Austin Johnny B. Bad at all. Was that good? I don't remember much about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't really remember anything about it. So, but I do remember liking that Larry and Regal match, which, you know, Larry does not always have great matches, but that one I remember liking a lot. But okay, here's my hot take about the, my other hot take maybe about the, um, the Hogan era. It, it starts out, um, quite poor with Bash of the Beach, but they managed to have two pretty damn good pay per views in the, in, the Hogan era before it really flushes down the toilet of Starcade. So I, I don't know. I, w- I went back and watched some of the stuff pretty recently, which is why one of the reasons why I wanted to do this show, but like fall brawl and Halloween havoc, they're, they're really not that bad. I mean, a fall brawl's got a, a really great war games storyline and main event. And it has nothing to do yeah. with Hogan. So it's, yeah, there was like, I don't know. Like the, the, the the number one contendership that really wasn't number one contendership triangle match with Vader and Sting Guardian Angel mm-hmm. that was really good and I think that that I think has a better Vader Sting match at the end than the Slambery main event does yeah and because like a triangle match for people don't know in WCW was like it was like a one on one match and another one on one match it was not a real three way match so it was like you got like a Vader boss match and then you got like a Vader Sting match after and both those Um, I mean, that was a g- actually a pretty damn good show. I think I almost think people hate on it more because of the reputation of it being like this changeover and yeah. having that 30 second Jim Duck and Steve Austin title. <laughs> like, that's really bad and stupid. And, you know, you can see the beginnings of, you know, kind of a bad era. But like this show itself, it almost it starts a, a trend kind of of like the like the non Hogan shows during these like this like two year stretch. 
or even longer end up being a lot better than the Hogan shows. And it's almost like Hogan just kind of leaves them alone or something. I don't know. But yeah, I mean, this is, Fall Brawl is a pretty damn good show. Halloween Havoc's not quite as good, but I still... Yeah. I like Hogan Flair. It's a good cage match. I do too. No, yeah. I, I like that one as well. And that's what I was going to say. of like The, the one shining light of, of Halloween Havoc, I think, and I think with the saving grace of it, is that, that main event, which is really good. And like it, again, I think these two pay-per-views and the big reason why they're thought of pretty negatively and, and, and a big reason why I think of them negatively, even though they have some good stuff on them, it's that, like you said, the changing of the guard, where like you have Duggan beating Austin real quick. You have Kevin Sullivan uh, defeating Cactus Jack, and Jack's kind of on the ropes or he's out. Of, of w- it just felt like, oh, geez, like we're really kind of – everything that I mentioned earlier in the year where I was like, Oh, that new guard or that new unit or like that new next generation or whatever. Like those guys are all marginalized in like rapid amounts of time in like a month yeah. or whatever. And slowly, but surely you're seeing the Duggins coming in. You're seeing these sort of guys come in slowly, but surely it doesn't really fully feel that way. You know, until Starcade, like you said, which went full bow on it and completely uh, tanked it. But at this point, you, you can kind of feel the changing of the tide. And I think that sort of reflects negatively on these shows, even if they aren't like that bad of shows. It just feels like this is a very different company and that, you know, what was the first half of 94 is much different. And what's now going to be the new standard and the new guard has sort of taken over a little bit. Yeah. What do you think, Scott? I fucking hate Hulk Hogan coming to WCW. Yeah, I, really <laughs> I fucking hate it. It was I watched WCW because I didn't want to watch Hulk Hogan. Like I'd gotten to that point by about ninety ninety one when I was eight or nine years old. I was kind of like sick of Hulk Hogan. Like I had I'd gotten really invested in Randy Savage as a as a little kid um, during his babyface run, and then like when him and Hogan split up, I kind of just sided with Savage. And then in WCW or NWA or whatever, um, I, I was a big fan of the Horseman. I was a big fan of Arn Anderson and Ric Flair. So I was never like a massive Hulk Hogan fan, except when I was very, very young, uh, like five or six years old. And I was, you know, WrestleMania three is one of the first memories I have of being alive, basically. Um, but I was so sick of Hulk Hogan by the time he was actually out of the WWF in 93 and I kind of thought, okay, that's it. I'm not going to have to see Hulk Hogan anymore. <laughs> and then not only does he come back, but he comes back to the other company, the one that I prefer because it doesn't have shit like Hulk Hogan and Hacksaw Jim Duggan and Bruce Beefcake and the Honky Tonk fucking man. <laughs> and then he just ruins it. Like, I, and I'm not like, I'm not completely ridiculous. I I, I like the Hogan flair matches of 94. I do. I I think they, I think, you know, being fair, Hogan worked really hard in those matches, um, trying to get himself off on the right foot and flair was great trying to carry him. Um, but yeah, by the end of the year, it was everything that I feared. I mean, it was, it really was, it's, it's everything. And I was still young then, but it was everything that I knew was going to happen with Hulk Hogan. Once these guys started filtering in. Yeah, and we didn't really talk about Bash of the Beach, but that's not a good show. I mean, that's just a really, really quite a poor one, actually, other than, um, I mean, you have a good Steve Austin and Ricky Steamboat match, but they had a better yeah. match. At, they had a better match at Clash, anyway. And there really isn't much of anything on the show other than they are in turn. Um, but it all culminates, though, in a Starcade yeah. that's probably one of the worst Starcades ever, one of the worst shows. WCW, I mean, not probably. This is one of the worst. I was trying to say maybe the worst ever, as far as like WCW shows and Starcades. It's really bad. 
Um, I mean, Hulk Hogan versus Brutus Beefcake is the main yeah, event. Yeah, I mean, that's all you need to know right there <laughs> in the main event. I mean, Brutus Beefcake in a main event. I mean, there that's that's it's, all you need. <laughs> and a lot like, of like Kevin Sullivan's like in or around like 15 matches in the show, too. It's just like, yeah. what the fuck? Like, every time you look, it's like, oh, here's Kevin Sullivan doing some stupid shit. Like, it just, oh, I hate the show so much. It's one of the worst shows of all time. Yeah, I mean, maybe the worst as far as WCW goes, anyway. It's easily uh, the but worst you can, arcade. Oh, for sure. And you can't believe that this is the same company that that gave you Spring Stampede 94. You know what I mean? Like if you put these ma- these these up to uh, uh, up to each other, you'd be like, "Oh my god, what the hell? What what happened?" It's like, you know, it's not that long ago and it's just like, "What?" Like nothing's the same, everything's different. Every it's just really really bizarre. It's it's and so that, strange. The the best thing about the show is Vader beating Jim Duggan in a 12-minute match. It's not that good. So <laughs> yeah, it's not good. When Jim Duggan is in your best match of the night, that's probably a bad sign. <laughs> Alex Ray versus Triple H in for a fourteen minute <laughs> match when like both of them should have been working like two minute matches. Yeah. yeah, it's a very terrible show. So that all leads to how do you rate ninety four? Um, it this to me is like one of the hardest years to rate because it, there's really good stuff at the start. It goes downhill, but I think it goes downhill slower. Than some people probably do because, like I said, I think those two papers in the middle of the Hogan thing are actually pretty good. So I went back and forth on a three or a four because the first half of the year is so good. Um, I decided to give it the four. I think, you know, obviously it can't be a five because the Hogan era is not good and Starcade is one of the worst shows of all time. But I mean, other than Starcade, the only other paper that I think is even bad is Bash of the Beach. And, you know, I think the true excesses of the Hogan era wouldn't really be felt until 95 until like early 96. So other than Stargate again. So yeah, I'm going with a four. That's my rating on 94. What do you guys have it as? I give it a three. Um, I, I, I debated too, and I decided to go a little lower just because Stargate is that bad. Um <laughs> Like Starcade and and just it's that 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 infiltration of Hogan's cronies and it's just I can't deal with it once they all start coming in and you know Hogan is twenty five pounds lighter than he was the last time I saw him <laughs> and he looks kind of weird to me and he's just his mustache doesn't even look right anymore because his face is so much thinner it's it's just everything about looking at Hulk Hogan in nineteen ninety four makes me angry as a wrestling fan. Um, and so I'll go with a three. I mean, I, the first half of the year is really great. Um, there's still some good stuff down the stretch. Fall Brawl I like a lot because I'm a huge Dusty Rhodes fan, so I love that whole War game storyline there. Um, so, you know, I, I, I'll go with a three. I'm probably going to go about a four because I really do love that first half. Like I said, it's it, the first half is probably my favorite in, in WCW history. So I, I, I go four here. I, I was about to do a five, but then I, I, I once again looked at that Starcade card and said, no, there's no way I can't. <laughs> I, I can't give a perfect rating to a year that has that, that culminates in a Brutus the Barber beefcake, you know, main <laughs> event as the butcher. You know, like you just can't do that. So I, I had it as a five and I just recently switched it to a four. So four is my definitive rating there. So. Um, so best and worst pay-per-view, I have Spring Stampede as best and Starcade as worst. I do we have yeah. unanimous agreement? Yeah. I mean that's no. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. I mean that I, I guess you could maybe make a case for no. <laughs> that's it. I'm trying to think yeah. of no, it that's it. I think you nailed it. I think Slamboree maybe is the only one I would consider for best. For worst, 
there is nothing else in consideration. No, no. <laughs> I mean, Bass of the Beach is, is not good either, but it's that Starcade is just like one of the worst shows of all time. Match of the Year is interesting. Um, for my Match of the Year, I went back and forth a lot on this. I, you know, I could, I definitely could see going with Flare Steamboat from Spring Stampede. But my favorite match from '94 is actually um, Steve Austin and Ricky Steamboat from uh, the Clash of the Champions '28 in August, which is actually the last match of Steamboat's career. I don't know. I just there's something about the entire match. It, maybe it's just one of the, it's like one of the first like retro matches I went back and watched. I think, and I don't know. I just love this entire match. I love that all the cradles at the end actually leads to the pin. Because I've always been like a pretty big mark for uh, like cradle pins, and the fact that like for once the the nonstop cradle sequence actually gets the pin at the end was pretty awesome. And there's also like this great just steamboat's comeback being set up by Austin just like slapping him and pushing at him just repeatedly. It was just such a great moment. But yeah, that's my pick for '94 Austin Steamboat from Clash '28. Scott, what do you have for best match? Uh, I'm going to go with a dark horse pick. I'm going to go with Vader against Dustin Rhodes at the 29th Clash of the Champions in November. Um, it's basically that I'm a big fan of both guys um, and that they work what is essentially a Vader-Sting match, except it's Dustin Rhodes instead of Sting. Uh, and Dustin didn't get the chance to stand out in a match like like exactly like that one a lot of the time. Uh, so I think it's a great um, example of how good Dustin Rhodes was. Because uh, I, I think Dustin Rhodes is one of the best American wrestlers of the last 30 years. I mean, he's had some dips in his career in quality, but he's been great when given the opportunities to be actually great. Uh, and Vader was still pretty much a monster in 94. So uh, that would be my pick. I'm going to go chalk here, unfortunately. I'm going to go Flair Steamboat. I say unfortunate. Yeah. But I mean, I, it, it's still a great match. But I, I try to convince myself of something else. I try to think of, okay, there might be something else. Because that's like the, the easy pick and the pick that everyone's going to make. But I just kept going back to it, saying that that's it. That's my pick for sure. So that's 94. And then we move into 95. Um, the, the start of the year, re, like the first three pay-per-views, I would say, are really, really quite bad, I think. Oh, shit. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's putting it lightly. I mean, uncensored is is in another level of just absolute utter shit. Like that is, it's almost fun bad in a way. But then you watch it again, and you're like, no, this is just utter shit. I, I mean, it has that it one has is Hogan, so bad. Ninety five uncensored has Hogan dragging Ric Flair and drag to four corners <laughs> to win the strap match. He was in against Vader. Yeah, so, yeah. Even though he's not in the match <laughs> at he's all, retired actually. <laughs> right. But, I mean, that retirement sure lasted long. But yeah, I mean, like, it. I think, I honestly think my theory on this is when people think of the Hogan era, like early Hogan era being bad, they're, and they think they mean, like, right when he came in, but they actually mean, like, Starcade through Uncensored. Like, that yeah. to me is, like, through Slamboree, too. We can throw Slamboree in there. That to me is, like, peak bad Hogan era WCW. But um, I don't know. Is there anything of, you, of use at all in these three shows? I mean, Slamboree is the show you were thinking of, Rich, before, like, the fucking 10,000 like legends matches to have. Like... Yeah. That's the one. Okay. Yeah. I, I was trying, well, I think in 93, actually... they, they do that. Yeah. Cause I think it's 93 is the one where they yeah, legitimately have like the legends wrestle and it's like, Oh boy, yeah, like, maybe we don't like, like actually maybe right. we don't need seven year old guys. I think like, I think Dick Murdoch maybe shows up on that slam number 95, but I think it's the same deal where they just have guys go in the ring and, and, and wave yeah, or whatnot. Right. But uh, right, no, I mean, it's, it's utter shit. I mean, that, that first half is utter shit and, and it, it is, on Sensor 95 is a, a different level of shit. Like, it is an unbelievably, like, 
the King of the Road match is actually pretty fun, even though that's like a disaster from a production standpoint. You have a martial arts match with Jim Duggan. Yeah. <laughs> there's a boxer wrestling match <laughs> I, I i would speak up in defense of that one that one's kind of fun art anderson selling fucking boxing punches is really funny so. i suppose but i forget how it ends <laughs> isn't it just like a body slam or something no, like no, that, no, that, no. Yeah, that i think he puts the, isn't this the one where he puts the 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 bucket over his head and punches maybe it? like something stupid like everything that could have been possibly okay in the show is somehow made stupid like randy stupid, savage though. you know gets de Cued, and then I forget what the fuck. No DQ I, match, I think. Yeah, it was a no DQ <laughs> match, and he got DQ'd because, of course. Um, yeah, and then like I, I think the Nasty Boys Harlem Heat is pretty good. Other than guys just like slipping and falling on mustard the entire time, but th- that one's actually all right. It's like a horrible brawl, but it's it, it's fine. And then, as you said, the 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 main event leather strap match is one of the dumbest fucking things you've ever seen in your life, where Hulk Hogan drags Ric Flair in in drag, <laughs> drags Ric Flair in drag to the four corners to win. Uh, a match that Ric Flair wasn't involved. It's I will, just I will speak up in defense of Uncensored '95. That show is to me funny bad. Like that, I will put that. Uh, I put that show I on suppose. times. It, it depends what mood you're in. I think. Yeah, I guess it depends what mood. It, there's there's times where I've enjoyed it, and there's times where I've hated it. I, I don't. Yeah, it, it it might reach that fun bad level at, at, at times for sure. It's a fun show to watch drunk. So that's my defense of Uncensored '95. But yeah, I mean, Slambury '95 is bad, and to me, Super Brawl is like really bad. But I don't know. Anything else about these three terrible shows, Scott? No, they're all garbage. <laughs> I mean, really, I, 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 I struggle to pick which one is the worst. Um, things turn around a little bit, Grand American Bash, and this to me is another example of like the the shows where Hogan isn't around are way better than the shows where he is around like formula because you get like Ric Flair and Randy Savage, which is a like, kind of a cool feud and yeah. produce some good stuff, including this main event. Sting and Ming, I remember liking. I'm like they they did like almost a variation on the Sting, Vader like Sting versus Monster formula, and it kind of worked. I thought that yeah, um, wasn't bad. And then you know, obviously, it's also some boring stuff here. But you know, compared to the last few stuff, last few shows, I think this was an improvement. Um, Bash of the Beach, really not good. I mean, there's again, I, I like this the Savage, Flare match. That's kind of like the saving grace of this this whole period. But, you know, we have the blow off to Hogan Vader, which was just one of the worst feuds of all time, I think, Hogan Vader. Because, I don't know, Hogan just, like, squashed this monster at every turn and just made him look like a complete fucking idiot. And if you were like me and you were a huge Vader fan, you know, watching a long hair, you were, you probably were pretty pissed. You can only imagine what it was like at the time to live through it. So, I don't know. Any other thoughts about the two bashes? See, I, I like Bash of the Beach only because of the setting. Like the ma- the show itself isn't very good, but I'm a I'm a sucker, and it's one of the big reasons why I love WCW is because they would like have a show on a beach. You know what I mean? Like, don't yeah, they would do that. Wacky do that. Shit. Like, yeah, or like every set felt unique. Like Bash of the Beach felt like Bash of the Beach because they would have like a lifeguard stand and sand and shit, and like you know, the big pumpkin man at Halloween Havoc and, yeah. and gravestone. So I'm I'm a sucker for like a good setting for a pay per view. So no, Bash of the Beach is not a very good show, but like knowing that it's taking place on a beach. And like, there's just like people walking up, and there's like, you know, not making any money off of it or whatnot, which is a WCW uh, specialty. There is just having random people show up to shows and not getting them to pay. Um, no, I, I, I have like a, a soft spot for this paper. It's not good, but man, I love watching it because I love the idea of just having a show on a beach. It's just super cool. Savage and Flair is like a really good match, I think. Yeah, that's the one good match on the show. But yeah, I don't know, Scott. What do you think of the bashes? Uh, the Renegade really came into his own. <laughs> That's the renegade period. It's true. 
Yeah, that's his that, that's his peak. That's um the television champion of the world. Yeah, Great American Bash '95. He he beat Arn Anderson to win the television title, <laughs> which Arn would later call the most embarrassing moment of his career. Um, Bash at the Beach '95. He got to defend it in a real classic barn burner against Paul Orndorff. Um, I feel bad for Renegade sometimes because like look back and you think only about that time but like he hung around for years and like actually tried to learn and get better it's just when they brought him in he didn't know what the fuck he was doing and they were like you're the ultimate warrior now <laughs> it was really stupid so um so the fall um so fall brawl not a good show but uh-huh. does have one really good match uh Arn anderson and rick flair which you know I feel like that w- that must have been like an amazing thing to live through to finally see them go face to face and face off. And I thought they built it up really well with like, you know, Anderson, if you're watching the TV at the time, like basically Art Anderson is just really sick of Ric Flair's shit and needing him, needing to rely on him to win all of his matches. And then I, they lost like a handicap match to Vader, I think. And then that was like the final uh, nail in the coffin. But yeah, I mean, that was a, that was such a cool build-up and cool match. On the other hand, you also have the Hulkamaniacs of the Dungeon of Doom and the worst war, war games. Well, no, the second worst war games because there's, yeah. there's one that's worse. But yeah, really awful war games and just nothing. I don't remember Johnny D. Bad and Brian Pillman at all. Was that that was thirty I like minutes it. long? Okay, yeah. so it, it it holds up pretty well um, for a thirty-minute Mark Merrill match. Yeah, it's long. It's long, and that's. I, 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 do you guys know? Did did Johnny B. Bad? St- open every single WCW pay-per-view for like five years straight. <laughs> like you cannot like every time I throw on a fucking, I, like I'm just like doing something around the house and I throw on a WCW pay-per-view. It's Johnny B bad there. And sometimes he's got, you know, the, the, the roided out, you know, uh, <laughs> Teddy long with them sometimes. Like, it's just like he, you cannot avoid Johnny B bad opening a W and then he, he ended up when he went to, to WWF, they started opening him all the time with Mark Merrill. I remember those Mark Merrill, like triple H or Mark Merrill versus gold dust, like opening every single WWF pay-per-view in like 1996. So he's definitely the uh, de facto opener for, for especially this year, 95. I think he opens like every single show. Yeah. But um, does well, does well in it though. So I should say. Yeah. But then, so after fall brawl though, so there's one show here. I do. I definitely want to mention, which is Halloween havoc because I, Halloween Happy 95 is one of the weirdest shows I think ever <laughs> to go back and watch because it feels like this weird like anomaly of the period. Like, first of all, Hogan's in his weird ass black outfit, but he's not Hollywood Hulk Hogan yet. Like he was doing some gimmick where like he was sort of teasing that he was gonna go bad. He, he but, went to the dark side. But it, you know, he had but to go to the bad. dark side to, to win. Yeah, no, it was stupid. <laughs> but yeah, but it was but but I mean it was it's really weird though to go back and watch now. It's like you're still like almost a year away from Hollywood Hogan, but you're wearing all black. It looks really weird. Um, Sabu was on this show in like a three minute match against Mr. J. Mr. J. Oh, that's Jerry Lynn, right? Yeah. Yeah. So three minute match against Jerry Lynn. And like, it's, it's just weird, like almost crash booking with like, you know, weird, this weirdness to it, but like Hogan, like getting turned on by Jimmy Hart, which is just like, you know, the, the kind of swerve that just didn't really happen at the time that I don't know. The whole show feels like a little ahead of its time. It feels like a little bit like, you know, this is where it was going. And we were like, cause I think what's his name? Uh, Terry Taylor just got like the book, I think. Right. And maybe, maybe I'm, my timeline's off. But I think he just got became booker like right before this. 
and he did this weird show where like Hogan's cutting promos about the Wrestling Observer <laughs> newsletter, being a rag sheet and telling you to go read the internet instead, because that's where the scoops are. <laughs> it's just like it's a weird show. But yeah, I don't know. Anyone thoughts on Halloween Havoc? Uh, I really like the Flair Sting Anderson Pillman match. Yes, with the fucking great Flair turn. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Sting's awesome in that match. That's like Sting had gotten so like basically written out of WCW when Hogan came in, um, or at least pushed to the back burner. Uh, and it's a chance for him to kind of be Sting again for a night, you know, and show how good he really is. Um, the rest of the show is just fucking weird. Like I rented this on VHS a lot when I was a kid. Uh, because it was so fucking weird. Like I never thought it was a good show, but I rented it at least four or five times just to be, <laughs> just to watch the goddamn thing, like the monster truck and um, Hogan and the Giant having their terrible match. Um, <laughs> you know, and it's just it was just a very strange show, and in, in a weirdly watchable way. Yeah, I totally agree. It's not a good show, but it's so weird and it's so. It just stands out from everything else in the time period. It's just yeah, crazy. I definitely give this one that fun bad. Like you were, you were talking about on Censored 95. Like I, I definitely think this one stands out to me as like a fun bad show because it is so ridiculous and so silly. And then like you also have like Sabu and, and, and Mr. JL. You know what I mean? Or like, you know, Kurosawa in there too against, you know, Road Warrior Hawk. Which yeah, is Kurosawa, pretty fun. people don't know, no, that's, that's the Nabu Nakanishi. Yes, yeah, with so. a lot more hair, a lot more hair than uh, you remember. Yeah. But yeah, it's fun, and like him and Road Warrior Hawk have like a pretty fun match, and they had like a little micro feud going on as well. So yeah, that's actually it's it, it's it's bad, but like it's enjoyable, like it's fun. I, I really do enjoy this one. This is one that I remember renting from my uh, local store uh, a bunch as well for that exact reason because it was like I know this isn't good, but this is entertaining. Like you could definitely get through an entire you know an entire watch of of, of you know having my five and come away saying ah that was. I enjoyed, you know, I enjoyed watching it, even if it ultimately wasn't good. Then WCW debuts World War Three, a <laughs> one of the worst ideas they ever came up with. Um, this was a like a three ring was it sixty people, right? Sixty people by yeah. room. I, I, yeah. So like the Royal Rumble, but everybody at the start, there's sixty people, and it goes a half hour, and it was no good. <laughs> I don't know. They did this like, they did this like what five years or something right or four and it was four, never I think, yeah. four yeah it's never any good three or four so, yeah yeah um it's not like the first one with some classic matches no it's it's bad i watched it recently because obviously it's november and that's you know i was kind of like hey what wcw is in november i forget and then i watched yeah it's it's just a complete cluster like yeah. the only thing that's awesome about it is just like the names that they had to pull off like they're like ah oh, god damn it get fidel sierra in here like you know like because you're these guys are coming out and, and like you know i i consider myself i know i know a pretty good amount about wrestling and i'm sitting there watching i'm like i have no fucking clue who that guy is so i had to like look up whoever like there's some guys that walk through there and then there's also kensuke sasaki walks out as well which is incredible as well in it but no it's just like yeah mike winner like who the fuck is mike winner you know what i mean there's just like guys that you've just never seen or barely big train barts like who the hell are these guys and like you know it's just they had to pull everybody to get the rings and it's complete production wise is a disaster like they're they're switching all the time nobody knows anything like you know lee marshall's like oh there's something going on in my ring and then they cut to the wrong ring like it's just an absolute it's like horrible to watch i'm sure it was terrible to watch live as well so it does not uh does not hold up well in that uh in that sense I do want to mention, by the way, I, t- I totally fucked up the the promo by Hogan where he like burns a copy of the Observer and says it's a rag sheet and the internet's the real scoop. That was World War Three, not Halloween Havoc. So there you go. I don't know why I thought Halloween Havoc. 
But there's also where he like burns the black costume. Yeah. Apparently. Yeah, because so. it, it it wasn't really um catching on at all. Yeah. So he was like, oh, "Fuck it, I'm done with this part." Um, you know, because they shaped his mustache off or whatever. <laughs> There's also a random Joshi tag on this. Like, for some yeah. reason, they're like, let's have Akira Hokoto and Bull Nakano face Cutie Suzuki and May- Mayumi Ozaki. <laughs> Ozaki's still like, kicking around with their own promotion, Oz Academy, uh, 13 years later. But yeah, they gave them nine minutes and they had an awesome match. So, God bless them, I guess. There's a weird, yeah, the, the, the last two shows in 1995 are like filled with Japanese talent, which is so strange because it's so like against what you thought, like that early 95 was going to be and it ends up actually being like the shows themselves aren't very good and they're in like pretty minimalized oh, roles I, here and there, but... I disagree about Starcade, but we'll get to that in a sec yeah, okay if you want but yeah I, that's <laughs> i mean i don't know there's there's some good on there but there's there's some crap in there too i mean they have but we'll, we'll get to it here in a bit but uh yeah no it's it's just kind of interesting because yeah yeah it's like not at all what like the beginning of the year was and then you have these like weird pay-per-views again like you said anytime hogan's gone it's just like all right like let's load it up with like good stuff like they knew that the hogan stuff just had to be bad or something like that i don't know what it was but that held true until like late 98 too and like hogan wasn't on the pay-per-views they were usually really good and when he was there you know obviously they're more yeah. more times than not other shit so so starcade 95 i actually like this show a lot um you know it, it has that new japan versus wcw theme which doesn't always produce good matches but does produce a couple that I think are actually really good. Um, and then and then it has that triangle thing, which is uh, Ric Flair, Lex Luger, and Sting. That went like 28 minutes, which it was just such a fun little thing where like Flair, basically Luger would play total baby phase when he was in there against Flair. And they almost had like the greatest hits of their, of the old Luger-Flair, you know, feud from many years prior. But then he'd be back to like heel mode when he was in there with Sting. And I always, I don't know, like, like Luger's weird run here where he was like sort of a heel, but he was still friends with Sting, but you could tell he was using him. And that whole run before they went like that goes into him being like tag champions with Sting, but he's also he's still really a heel, but he'll pretend to be a baby face when Sting is looking. That all kind of got dropped when the NWO started, but like that I don't know, that was like the coolest little period of Lex Luger's career, I think. Um, but yeah, so I really love that triangle match. And then Flair beat Savage for the world title right after, which I enjoyed. So yeah, I like the Starcade a lot. Maybe I'm the only one, but I really like this show. It's okay. Um, I I like the concept of the World Cup of Wrestling a lot. So that's it makes it more fun just to watch the show, even if not every match delivers. Um, but there are you know three really good matches. I think. I mean, I don't I don't love the triangle match, and I don't love the shorter Flair Savage match at the end. Um, but the World Cup had uh, Liger and Benoit had a really good match. Kanemoto and uh, Alex Wright had a good match. Um, Otani and Eddie Guerrero had a great match. Awesome. So, so you know, I I, I I think it was overall, you know, not a bad show at all. I mean, you know, it was, it was more fun than it was, like, legitimately great or anything. But I'll take fun any time over a lot, what a lot of 95 WCW was. It's an easy watch more than anything, and I think that's that's yeah. probably where you get it. Is like because all those matches are kind of quick, and they're, they're 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 you know they're about ten minutes. I think is the length that most of them go or whatnot. But so and some are even like five. So it feels like a, it's not a drag like some WCW shows would be at that time. So it goes all quick, and there's some different unique talent that you've never seen before, or you know talent that that isn't used to you know working in, in America or you worked you know used to working in WCW or whatnot. But overall, I don't know like other than the Otani Guerrero, I think that's the only one that really stood out to me. And then Liger and Benoit, of course. Uh, 
Uh, those two really stand out. But otherwise, I don't know. A lot of the other stuff isn't as good as you kind of think on paper it would be or, or when you're watching it. You can still be entertained by it, but ultimately it's not like great. You, you know, and, and I didn't like the triangle match all that much. So I think that probably hurts a little bit because um, if you enjoy that one, then maybe it stands out a little bit more to you. But uh, yeah. it's not bad. Yeah, it's not bad. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I like. I mean, Eddie in Otani was the only one that got any time, but it went almost 14 minutes. So, of the World Cup matches, but yeah. So, I guess let's get into the grades and all that. Let's start with best and worst pay per view this time. Um, Scott, what do you think for best and worst pay per view? Uh, best pay per view. I sort of go back and forth on um, World War Three and Starcade. I think World War Three is actually a pretty good show, apart from world war three um so i'm gonna go with that because i just outside of that stupid ass battle royal main event i i think most of that show is really really entertaining i love the joshi match i love um most of that card to be honest i think it's a really easy show to watch until you get to the dumb 60 man battle royal even that you know mark star got a pay-per-view payday so <laughs> that's kind of that's kind of awesome so yeah i but it's either that or starcade but i'll go with world war three yeah for me i'm between those the, the same two um i i do enjoy the world War three a lot other than yeah of course the, the main event which is a complete disaster um yeah between those two really i think stand out and the fall brawl in a five isn't too bad but it's got some really big shit on it as well which definitely drags it down i'm probably gonna i'll probably agree with scott and go world war 90 uh world war three but definitely starcade 95 is a very very close second yeah i went starcade which i guess i gave away just now but that's my best but yeah world war three is a good show as well and then what do you have for worse scott Oh boy. Um uh, I'll go with Slamboree. There were a couple of okay matches, but mostly it was a waste. Um I debated that and uncensored and chose to I'm choosing to go with the one people talk about a little less. Um in part because I don't totally, totally hate the Hogan Vader match at uh Uncensored, but I do hate the Hogan Savage Flair Vader match at Slamboree. Um, it's just one of those instances where if you gave Hogan an inch to be lazy and suck, he took a mile. Um, <laughs> and giving him a tag match was always giving him that inch. What do you got, Rich? Uh, me, I, I think it's got to be Uncensored 95. I, and, and even though there's some like joy that can come from it, it is ultimately just like an absolutely horrible, horrible, horrible pay-per-view. Uh, close second to Havoc 95 as well, which is also a really bad pay-per-view and also kind of fun. But I think I have less fun watching Uncensored 95, so I'm going to go with that as my worst. See, I'm going to go with Super Brawl. I just think I would rather pick the shows that are terrible and fun, but like Super Brawl is just terrible and like brutally boring. So that to me, being boring is the is a worse sin than yeah. than actually being fun bad. So, I mean, Slamboree to me is close too, but like I, I really hate that Super Brawl show. So, 96. Um, that's a, obviously a very... Oh, we didn't give the MVP the rating, sorry. Um, MVP, I think it's Randy Savage. Um, I think his his fewer to flare kind of saves the year to whatever degree it's going to be saved. So that's my pick for MVP. What do you what do you guys have, Scott? Uh, yeah, I'm going with Savage. Same reason. Uh, it's Savage as well. Also, from a business standpoint, too, you can look at that. You know, I know we're not doing that, but he's a guy who you know he comes into WCW and really underrated. Guy- moving some business as well doing that feud with flair that starts to kind of uh get stuff going a little bit but yeah he, he's he's definitely 
definitely the MVP has great matches almost the entire year. Uh, definitely comes in and adds a whole different dynamic. And and because he was out there to prove that like he was on the shelf only because Vince decided he was on the shelf and and that he was still pretty solid and, and could still go. So no, I I think Savage Savage from all aspects of it definitely your MVP. And rating, um, I went back and forth on a two and a one. I'm gonna be nice and give it a two. I mean. It clearly doesn't deserve anything above that. I mean, it's clearly a bad year, but there's enough fun bad and enough interesting stuff that I don't quite think it's as bad as some of the years to come uh, towards the end here. I think it's just, if you're going to ask me, like, I think if you pick a 95 show at random versus like a 99 or 2000 show at random, 95 show is a little bit more likely to not be total disaster, but I definitely can't argue with it. It's a really weak two. I can't argue with anyone who gives it a one. So Scott, what'd you give it? Yeah, same thing. I gave it a two. Um, it's mostly just that there's, you know, th- th- there are really, really low lows, but there's some fun stuff along the way, and some of it is uh, watchably bad, even if it's bad. Uh, and it's probably it probably helps that I was thirteen at the time, so I have a little bit more of a fun memory of watching a lot of this stuff than I do some of the later WCW stuff when I was a little bit older and that those four or five years, you know, really do make a difference in how you perceive a lot of your memories. So, uh, 95, I give it to you. I'm going to go with a one. I think it's a, a, a pretty disastrous year. I mean, I know there's some stuff that's enjoyable and it's, it's kind of fun, bad, but ultimately it's bad. So I, I, I went with a one. I think it's a pretty horrid year. All things considered. Which is like, fuck your fun, bad. <laughs> Uh, all right, so but man, it's it's it it is really bad though. You know, it's like you know, I I think there's some joy to come from it because it it is like you said, it's so bad. But like, there's no question that it's bad. And like watching, I cannot even imagine watching it in real time. Like, I cannot imagine. You know, Scott, someone like you, I I was not watching it at this time as actively. I just cannot imagine like WCW being what you loved and then like turning on these shows and just being like, what is the fuck is going on with my WCW? What have they done to it? Because this is, uh, yeah, it's a pretty horrid year. So like, and we know obviously that good times would come in a bit, but so I think that might help our like, ah, whatever. It's what, I, you know, ah, but like reading the observer, like Dave is having meltdowns at the time. Like everybody is just like, what the <laughs> fuck are these guys doing? And like, it, it didn't help either that WWF was also like lost their goddamn mind this year as well. So it's just, like, <laughs> year for american wrestling so yeah i mean 95 must have felt like a lot of the years feel now if you're just watching if you're only watching american wrestling except without the easy access to like japan and europe and mexico and everything else so yeah it's just like did everybody lose their mind like does nobody know how to do wrestling anymore like why are we why is this existing like because both companies were just absolutely just off the rails this year even though there was some good stuff on both stuff and and to this day like i still enjoy some aspects of 95 wwf but like by and large it's pretty terrible so yeah all right so 96 i mean obviously this is where things start to turn around i anyone have thoughts on super Bowl six because looking at these results i'm thinking i never actually saw this show this is like one of my little gaps so does anyone have any thoughts on this? Obviously, I can't give any thoughts on how good this show was since I don't think I've seen it. Uh, Flair and Savage was a standard good Flair Savage match. Mm-hmm. You had the um, Johnny B. Bad and DDP always had pretty decent matches, so they had another one of those. Um, the only thing I really remember otherwise is the stupid I respect you strap match thing with Brian Pillman and you know I respect you Booker Man and it's one um, of the great all-time lines, I think. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, th- then other than that, I don't remember a whole lot of it. Like, I don't 
remember the Luger Sting matches. There's two of them on the show, apparently. I do kind of remember Conan and One Man Gang because I hated Conan so much um, <laughs> that I sort of remember that. But other than that, yeah, I, I, I'm not like super, super fresh on it. But I do remember liking Flair, Savage, and Johnny B. Ben DDP pretty much just fine. So. Any thoughts on this show? Yeah, I'm pretty sure I've seen this. I've seen this show, but like I don't remember any of it. You know what I mean? It's one of those things where, like, as I'm kind of looking through it, I'm like, oh yeah, I kind of remember that, or yeah, I've seen. So I've seen the show before, but I don't remember it. Thanks. So I don't think it definitely. Uh, yeah, I don't think it stands out because yeah, I don't have any. Sort of just the show. Maybe I did watch it then. Who the hell knows? You may have. Yeah, I don't know. It's just <laughs> kind of a, a, a the show. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's really tough. Like I've seen some of these matches, but I don't recall anything about the show. Uh, Overall. Uh, one one story I can tell you I do remember is uncensored ninety six. Um, <laughs> so they there is a very cool match with uh what's it called with Steven Regal and Fifth Finley the Belfast Bruiser on the show that like is almost like a fucking shoot fight or something they beat the shit out of each other. Um, that's the big positive for the show. The negative is pretty much everything else. Um, I don't know. Was that was that Chicago Street Fight any good? I can't remember. I know it's really long. No. Okay. No. It's like a no. half hour long. I don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> I, no. I, I think it's I probably really skipped it. Long. It's it's good at being long. That's about it. Yeah. <laughs> and then the Doomsday Cage match. Yeah. Which, um. Yeah. So it's Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage against the Alliance to end Hulkamania. Art Anderson, Kevin Sullivan, Lex Luger, Ming, Ric Flair. The Barbarian, the ultimate solution, who they originally called the final solution, I think, right? And they got in trouble because of the Yeah, and then someone said, hey, uh, maybe let's come up with a different name than the final that's, solution. That's <laughs> what they called the Holocaust, guys. And yeah. then Z Gangster, who's, of course, Zeus from uh, not of all Japan fame, but of, um, <laughs> like, of what the hell is that we call it? No Holds Bard? No yeah. Holds Bard, come on. <laughs> I, okay, can I say something for the record? And this is this will get me probably get me like laughed at, but I, I I'll be honest with you, I can't be the only one who the first time I read the name Zeus in Zodiac and all Japan reviews in like the I guess the mid to late two thousands before I'd actually watched the shows was like why are they bringing in Brutus Beefcake and the the guy from the large part <laughs> like oh different people okay but. No one else wants to admit to that. <laughs> uh, I'll admit that I, it would be better if it was those. I'm joking. No, that's that. My hot take is it. Ultimately, it would be no. better. <laughs> of course, yeah. No, um, I don't know if I made that same mistake because I, may, yeah, I don't know. I, I'll have to recall. Maybe, maybe Zeus. I don't know if I ever thought the Zodiac was Zodiac, but uh, maybe I mixed up the Zeus uh, deal before. And then Zeus trying to be a very different person, obviously. Triple Crown champions here. Um. But yeah, this that Doomsday Cage match, I, not not exactly a uh, breaking news to say that was really terrible. I, it's it's really just not even funny, bad. Like it's no. just no, it's, no just, it, it's boring, and you, you can't see anything, and there's just smoke everywhere, and you're just like, what the? Yeah, it's it's you think it's like I always I, every time I watch it, I'm like, oh, this will be funny, and I get ready, and then like you know, ten minutes in, I'm like, this isn't funny, this isn't fun, this just I want this to be over, I want it to to end. So it's uh, yeah, it does not reach fun bad status for me at least. I don't know if anybody else uh, would agree. It's twenty five minutes too. It's like, oh, I don't know, Scott. Do you do you want to be the one person to say it's funny bad? Punch everybody just punches <laughs> like it's just oh, hate it. No, I I can't. Um... I can't have fun with it because it's like 
it's two guys beating up eight guys, six of whom are legitimate members of the roster. <laughs> the other two are Jeep Swenson and Zeus. <laughs> I just realized, by the way, I forgot to ask for our match of the year for 95. Mine's Guerrero on Otani. Yeah, same. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's easy. Uh, I'm going to go Savage Flair from Great American Bash 95. So there. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Um, but yeah, 96, uncensored, very, very terrible show, you know, with a really terrible main event. Um, Slamboree has a really long Lord of the Ring tournament. It's, you know, I don't know. It's a tournament. It goes forever and is a battle war. I mean, it's really, the show just is really, really not memorable to me. That's pretty much all I can say about it. It just kind of exists. It kind of existed. What I think is pretty interesting about 96 is like it's regarded as a pretty good year. And like, we'll talk about it in the end, but I think that the, the lows and the early parts of 90, 1996 are almost as bad as anything in 1995. Like those slambery uncensored super brawl and, and uh, you know, great American bash is pretty good, but those first three are horrible shows, like really, really bad shows. And, and particularly uncensored, like, Almost worse than Uncensored '95, so I think '96 is kind of a break. I think it, it is worse than Uncensored '95. Yeah. yeah, and like yeah. Uh, you know, '96 gets a break because it it turns real good in like June, and then the rest of the year is pretty much on fire. But it is those first three pay per views that year, and like everything that was going on, even the nitros of those eras, are really, really, really terrible, and like way holdovers in '95, and sometimes worse, as I said, than 1995. So it gets it. I think, and, and we're both probably gonna we're we're all gonna probably rate it pretty highly, but it it, it deserves a little bit of scorn for those first uh, few months. And Scott, any thoughts on Slamboree or the first half in general? Uh, first half is mixed bag. Slamboree is, it's just, I don't, the Lord of the Rings stuff sucked. Um, it's almost the look, entire show. Yeah, and the the one good thing on the show, I would say, is that Sting gets Giants' first good match out of him. Yeah. Um, but there's a Conan Liger match on there that I remember seeing as, um, a recommended match on cage match. I think Meltzer gave it three or three and a half or something. Um, and I remember watching it like not too long ago because I was going through this period just for fun. And I was like, what the fuck was he watching? Yeah, it's not like, good. like Conan is terrible. <laughs> like he had like minimal chemistry with anyone. He, I don't know. There's just something about that era watching Conan just kind of stand around and wait for other people to do stuff at him. That really fucking bothers me. The only um, the only bad match of great the next paper we're gonna talk about Great American Bash is Conan against El Gato Patanaka. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Why why Patanaka became a Mexican? I don't no one really can tell me, but I guess it's no worse than Patanaka was gonna be in a lot of different uh you know he was, he was good. He could he could, it could basically be any nationality you want him to be at any point. So that's uh that's always pretty good there. Um, but yeah, but then things pick up with, see, I, I was ready to like fight you, Rich, when you said this Great American Bash was like only okay. This is like one of my favorite shows. Oh, no, that one's really, no, sorry. I, I, I mistakenly <laughs> added Great American Bash in there, but no, Bash is Yeah, pretty- this Great American Bash is fucking awesome. I mean, this is like the turnaround right here. I mean, this show has that crazy um, Anderson and Flair against Kevin Green and Steve McMichael tag with like one of, I, I think my favorite turn in wrestling. Like I love the McMichael turn when he like he goes to the back with you know with the with the arguing girls comes back out with her offering him the briefcase of money and like there's this moment where he like looks at the money for a long time and I just close the briefcase and just like waffles Kevin Green with it and it's just awesome I love that turn and Green's uh, really good in that too for a guy you know 
We see that that you know if there, we we'd see in the coming years like many celebrities come into WCW and be very bad. He was solid, like he, I mean, not good, obviously, but but pretty solid. You know, much better than like you know Dennis Rodman. <laughs> you know, being awake is definitely a, 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 an improvement over <laughs> cases. But no, I think he's pretty solid, uh, all things considered. Yeah, but I mean, like this whole show, you have Steiners against Fire and Ice. Like, it has to be the best match of Ice Train's career. Um, that I mean that I that match is up for debate. Yeah, I don't know, I don't know. Maybe somebody can come up with the. Uh, <laughs> Definitive ice best match of ice. <laughs> you know, John, I have never in once my life said, I wonder what the best ice train what's the best MI smooth match that I can think of. Yeah, I've never ever come to my brain, but uh now it did. So I'm glad uh glad we could Yeah, DDP against Bagwell's fine. Uh Malenko Mysterio was like <laughs> just like incredible. I mean, like there's that's like the start of the lucha thing in WCW and just you know, which kind of carries the promotion and from a lot of different ways. You know, John Tenta and Big Bubba have like a decent little five-minute match. Um, Benoit and Kevin Sullivan, you know, I think that Falls Count Anywhere match was pretty incredible. Sting oh, versus... Sting versus... Lane, <laughs> Dusty just huh? could not believe himself yeah. that they're fighting in the ladies' room. He just absolutely <laughs> loved it. And then a woman shows up and he just... He, he dies. Dusty Rose... There's a woman in a man's bathroom! <laughs> he dies. He dies when he sees that woman in the men's bathroom. He could not even handle it. So I love that. Uh, Sting and Steven Regal is great. It's a yeah. great 16 and a half minute match. I mean, I totally forgot how great that match was until I watched it recently. And then the Giant and Lex Luger is like, I don't know. You you hit the Giant and Lex Luger, and you don't expect that match to be that good, but it's pretty good. They don't give minute minute. minutes. They just say, you guys kind of stink. Here's nine minutes. Go. And then they're perfect. Like, there you go. Yeah. Don't overthink it. You don't and give then, oh, guys the nine minutes. You know? <laughs> and then, oh, by the way, it has one of the greatest things of all time with Kevin Nash powerbombing Bischoff through the stage. Yeah, that, right. you know, I mean, this is an incredible show. I don't know if anyone has any negative. Anyone want to say Great American Bash is not good? No. Okay. No. <laughs> um, Scott, why don't you talk about Bash of the Beach? Since I blabbered on enough, what do you think of Bash of the Beach? Oh, well, you know, you got your great opener, like an all-time, all-time, yeah, great pay-per-view opener between Rey Mysterio Jr. and Psychosis. Uh, I, you just mentioned that Tenta and uh, Bubba had like an okay five-minute match at. Uh, Great American Bash. I like their stupid silver dollar match here. Yeah, it's um, good. It's good. DDP and Duggan is only five minutes long, so that's nice. Uh, <laughs> the double dog collar chain match, Nasties and the Public Enemy, is I don't remember it that well, but I I didn't hate it. I mean, I generally like both teams in a, a, a fun to watch sort of way. A Dean Malenko and Disco Inferno, I think, is a fucking excellent wrestling match. Like. Malenko is not the most charismatic guy, really. I don't think that's a particularly <laughs> hot take, but he's like insulted by the presence of Disco Inferno in a cruiserweight title match. Like Disco Inferno's stupid ass basically insults Dean Malenko's profession and like everything that he stands for and everything that he's worked so hard for in the cruiserweight title and Disco hangs in there and takes like a really good beating. And I think it's easily the best match Disco ever had. It's one of my favorite Dean Malenko matches. Um, so I think that's like super underrated. I mean, uh, Hio Malenko is like one of the best wrestlers ever. I think. Yeah, he's great. Like 96, 97 Malenko is like just so fucking incredible. Then you got Steve McMichael and Joe Gomez, which they had to give McMichael something to do. So um there was that uh flair and conan was another bad conan match if you're asking my opinion uh kevin sullivan the giant against arn anderson chris benoit was really not any good at all um largely because kevin sullivan was involved and the giant wasn't yet good enough to make up for kevin sullivan being involved kevin sullivan 
could be really fun in certain situations, but there are other situations like this one where he sucks. Um, and then you've got the main event, the outsiders against Lex Luger, Randy Savage and seeing the outsiders, of course, had their mystery partner, which turned out to be Hulk Hogan turning heel, shocking the world. Um, I remember being 14 years old and uh, look, I, again, I had long since lost interest in Hogan and this like shook me up as a wrestling fan at that age. Um, this was wild. Like just to see Hogan actually turn, um, and actually be a bad guy for the first time that I ever knew about. Um, I mean, I know he had been prior to Hulkamania, but I didn't know that at that age. So, yeah, uh, I was seeing like the generational hero turn heel almost out of nowhere. And you go back now and it makes a lot of sense. But um, at the time, it was just absolutely stunning. Yeah, I mean, it is, it is again, one of the best turns of all time. The match is, I don't know. It's like a, the match is better than I remembered it being. Maybe yeah, it's, it's not just, bad. Maybe it's but just that's that. fine. It's just like I. Oh, the only thing I ever, I remember from it was the turn. But like Nash and Hall, like they just I don't know. They they're really cool here. Is like the unbeatable heels basically. And then when Hogan runs out, you know, obviously that part is very very legendary. But yeah, good I think best of, oh sorry sorry I was gonna say best of all I think the crowds you can tell like the crowds had really through ninety five or whatnot even though they, they they could lie to themselves and say oh well, Hogan really brought in the crowds and all this sort of stuff is like nobody gave a shit you know what i mean like a lot yeah. of those 95 shows those early 96 shows nobody gave a shit which sucked because wcw crowds used to be the best like they would just pop for everything and the entire show they were on fire but this show they really start coming back and especially in that main event you know there's there's a real heat to the the the, the outsiders in there there's a real like there, there's just and, and it helps every single match on the card as well there's like real stakes and people feel like this this show and this this company they're starting to get things together a little bit so i think that's something that i always love about this era of wcw is you can feel the crowd really starting to reinvest in it and saying oh wait we got some stuff we actually like now this is some some really really cool stuff and even though it was um and, and i'd say in some ways because they were the outsiders and because they were like the, the invaders there was an idea as well of like this wcw the southern crowds and in some cases like wanting these guys to get the hell out of their damn company like these are wf guys what are you doing and that's you know when hogan turns like there's that initial you know you know reaction there's some people that cheer there's some people that boo but i think at for the first time in the entire hogan era it felt like there was like hey you know let's paint these wf guys and let's paint the quote new york guys as as, as bad and let's let kind of the the old school the old guard or whatever be the good guys and of course that would kind of reign true and and and, and work well throughout the rest of 96 until it would kind of go off the rails here in a little bit but uh i always find that is really awesome as the crowds are really starting to get invested in a lot of the stuff they're doing um, but yeah, I, I think of the two, I think Good American Best is better. I don't know if anyone would disagree with that. Oh, for sure. No, I, I would agree. Um, Hogwild is an interesting show before they made them change the name to Road Wild. Um, it, to me, it's like the start, kind of, I guess, of the of, of the formula that would turn out to produce some really cool shows for them, where like you have the NWO stuff and the main events, but then like the undercard stuff gets like, you know, it's all work rate guys. And they all get plenty of time. I mean, Malenko and Benoit get like 27 minutes on this show. And they have a really awesome, they have a really awesome match other than, you know, a pretty shitty ending. But, you know, with, I think it was a woman like running interference or something. But yeah, I mean, like, you know, you get that. You have Mysterio and Ultimate Dragon or Ultimate Dragon, as they call him at the time. Ric Flair and Eddie Guerrero had a really cool match. I mean, like, I don't know. It's like the start of it's the start of that whole period where like, you know, if the NW, the NWO stuff obviously maybe doesn't hold up in ring, 
Although, I mean, you know, it's hard to overstate how cool the end of year was to, you know, to wrestling fans in general at the time and what a big deal that was for, um, for bringing in new fans. But like the undercard stuff just gets so much time on these shows and this stretches, it starts here and like goes all the way through 97. So it's again, like a tale of two shows where the undercard stuff is good. The main events don't really hold up or anything. It's something you want to watch now, but um, yeah, I don't know. Any, any other thoughts on Hogwild? I would say that Benoit Malenko is a really good match in front of the exact wrong crowd. Yeah, the, the crowd is not. That's a great match to watch on mute because yeah. the crowd is not giving shit, and they did not want to see a twenty-seven minute long. Yeah, the uh, the the overtime periods did not thrill them when they were announced. Yeah. Any, any thoughts on Hog Wild, Rich? Yeah, I it's fine because I think it's one of the weakest of the, of the year in a lot of ways. I mean, the Benoit Malenko is pretty solid, but I, I'm not a big fan of the, the Hogan Giant match. And I think a lot of the other stuff, it, it's just, I don't know, it doesn't quite work. And it, it doesn't help. You know, I mentioned prior, like some of the stuff that I loved about the, the, the show's prior is that the crowds are really hot. And this was the opposite of that, where the crowd just don't know who anybody is. And they maybe only cheer for some of the WCW guys or yell, you know, racist remarks to uh, men of, of different colors. So, yeah, it's just kind of, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't love the show um it, it's just i don't know it it, it it just doesn't work for me all that much and i think it's one of the, the the one of the lone misses of what i would consider the last half of the year which i think is a really solid um half uh, of the year but yeah this one doesn't quite work for me all right so let's quickly we're actually maybe spending a little too much time on each show so let's move through some of the rest of them for the rest of the year i do want to mention really quickly before we move on though like we haven't talked a lot about nitro but like like this is to me like the peak period of Nitro when you go back and watch it as far as the NW angle goes, where it felt like every single week it's like, you know, who's in the crowd, you know, who's gonna turn and join them. Like it's where you have the giant turn in this whole fall, which is kind of nonsensical when you think about it, but was sure shocking at the time. You know, you have six showing up in the crowd, you have Ted DiBiashi, you know, showing up and joining. Um, the whole thing with Sting that paid off in the war games, with Sting ended up walking out on them because of the NWO sting, which started like just such a great angle that went on. It went on forever, but you know, it paid off. And like, I don't know. Can you imagine, you know, I, I don't want to do the WWE bashing, but like an 18 month build to something in WWE now, like I just can't even picture it. Like what would that even look like? You know, or 15 month, I guess, I guess it was but, like a 15 month build for a world title match. Like they just, how would they even do that? Right. <laughs> yeah, there's no way. I mean, this is, it's one of the greatest stories ever told, but we'll talk about the uh, the conclusion doesn't quite work. But yeah, just the, especially Bischoff of all people, just having the patience to be like, no, nope, that's good. Or in like WCW of all companies to having the patience, like they never did this prior, like well enough. And they of course wouldn't do it after. So it's just amazing that they were like, nope, this is our story and we're sticking to it and we're just going to make it work like the entire way. It's just, it's shot. It's like one of the greatest stories uh, in processing history because they stuck with it. You know, it, it, it's insane in that they just were like, Sting, yeah, just don't work for a year and a half. Whatever, who cares? You know, just come show up, you know, sit in the ring. Great gig for him, man. You know, yeah. unfortunately, he didn't get himself in shape when he had to finally, you know, get back into the ring or whatever. But, like, just the idea of it, just the risk that they took by doing it, it's just, like, you, you would never, such, ever see this again, ever. And he was such a big deal. I mean, like, my – I just – I have vivid memories of a kid as, my, as a kid of just my friend had, like, Sting posters everywhere in his room and, like, had a giant poster for Starcade 97 – he was just so excited for that match, and obviously we'll get to it. But like, just one of the one of the best builds ever, I think. Yeah, one for sure. Ever. Um, what do you think of the last half of the year, Scott? Anything stand out in those last few shows? To me, like they're all pretty solid. Fall Brawl, Halloween Havoc, uh, 
uh, World War Three. Like there, there's good stuff. There's not. It's not like peak WCW or anything. There's you know there's still like stuff that I wouldn't consider as good. Like Hogan Savage or Halloween Havoc really isn't very good. And Hogan Piper and Starcade. But uh, I, yeah, I think Fall Brawl is a really good show uh, for the most yeah. part. Um, Starcade has a few good matches. Halloween Havoc is whatever. World War Three is pretty much whatever. Um, but I the Fall Brawl I liked a lot. Yeah, Fall Brawl is a good show. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so let's. I guess let's wrap up '96. I feel like we came a little more came away a little more mixed from it than I expected. So it'd be cool to hear the ratings. But let's start with best and worst pay per view. Uh, for me, I have Great American Batch as the best. It's really not even close. And Uncensored is the worst. Again, really not even close. So we'll see. It. What do you have, Scott, for best and worst? Yep, same. Both. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same with you. Picks. Yeah, unfortunately, I can't I can't divert from that. Yeah, Great American Bash, best and, and uncensored, far and away the worst. So, uh, match of the year, I go Rey Mysterio and Psychosis and Bash of the Beach. I thought that was an incredible match. Uh, as great as that is, I go with um, Rey Mysterio Jr. against Ultimo Dragon at World War Three. Um, I just I just really really love that match. That's one of my favorite matches that either guy has ever done. It's gets criticized a little bit for being sort of an extended squash, but to me that makes it even better in a way like Mysterio's fighting from underneath and so hard and so long in the match and then eventually he's just crumbled by Ultimo Dragon who proves himself like a, a, a lethal cruiserweight like a dominant guy in the division yeah and he was Jade Crown Champ at the time too so yeah almost made sense when he came out all those belts yeah, I mean that's an awesome match too oh that's the, the visual of him coming out with all those belts is incredible I just watched that the other day with one of my friends who's a, kind of a casual fan who doesn't watch Japanese wrestling he's like holy shit like I'm like how many belts are like that's still like to this day people still just like look at those pictures and anytime you see that picture you're just like oh my god so many belts like one they bring belts, that back like someone's got to carry like 15 belts again because it's just one of those like, belts was like the WF white title yeah oh yeah there's just <laughs> like yeah because like they didn't even know until they no. tried to reactivate the the light heavyweight title in 97 they were like ah. Uh, that belt's in Japan and it's been on WCW TV, <laughs> and they got to take it back, and then that's what broke up the J Crown. But yeah, yeah it's still uh, a hilarious story. Well, what's um, your match? My favorite match, yeah. So mine's a little bit different here. Uh, Malenko and uh, Rey Mysterio from Halloween Havoc is actually one that I remember really, really. And there's there's quite a few to choose from. Ninety six has some great matches up and down. Uh, my number two is probably Psychosis Ray from Bash of the Beach. That one's really, really great. But uh, Malenko and, and 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 Mysterio at Halloween Havoc is just like. Malenko, like you said, Malenko in this era, especially '96, and we'll talk about '97 here in a bit. He's just awesome right now. There's just a viciousness to his offense. He's just perfect in the ring. He's the perfect foil to these guys, like Array and the Psychosis and the Dragons and and stuff like that. So it just fits like a glove. But yeah, there's quite a few matches to choose from here. So that's the one that I chose number one, and and, and a very, very, very close number two, uh, Psychosis and Ray from Bash of the Beach, which was a really awesome match as well. The Great American Bash one, I love with Mysterio Malenko because he pins him. He just power bombs him like right on his head, and then like puts his oh, it's so vicious, and yeah. Legs of the ropes for the pin, and like the weird thing is, like the announcers are weirdly okay with it. Like they're not like outraged that he cheated. Just like, oh yeah, Malenko. I'm just like, he just blatantly cheated. Like why? Why weren't you guys getting upset? But what yeah. I love about that match too, a Great American Bash, because it feels like just a complete change in the guard too. Because like Mysterio comes out there and he's doing some stuff, and the crowd doesn't really care. And then I think he does like some tope or something like that, or, or, you know, to the outside, and the crowd just loses their mind, and they're just like, "Holy shit, Rey Mysterio's!" And like from that point on, it felt like he was a made man. Like they just like that match was the one that really made people say, "Holy shit, this guy's awesome!" And like even like Dusty and 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 Bobby, who are usually just like making fun or oh they're taking too many risks or all that sort of stuff that they would usually say just lose their minds as well so yeah that that is definitely one too there's no shortage of good matches uh to choose from this year um mvp i i go with Ray mysterio i just think 
he just totally changed um, wrestling for me. And it was a huge part of, you know, how, when I, when I look back at this year, just like, you know, not, not that I saw all his pay-per-view stuff in real time or anything, but like, it must've been incredible. And it just, it feels so incredible compared to everything else on these cards that I just, I have to go with him. Scott, what do you have for MVP? Yeah, same thing. Um, You know, he was only there for, I think the last seven months of the year, but he was just such an electric force um, and had a huge hand in making the cruiserweight division, the success it became. And he offered along with a lot of the other lower card guys, an in-house same show alternative to the main event, you know, sort of style that was in WCW at the time. Yeah. Which is always something I loved about the promotion. Cause it's like, you, it, it didn't feel like even back then, w, the WWF felt way more, you know, just like the same thing up and down the card than WCW. So I don't know, Rich, who do you have for MVP? Uh, my MVP, like, you know, I mentioned that Ray had a lot of really great matches. Uh, Malenko had a lot of really great matches. I think uh, Benoit is pretty awesome this entire year as well. Even though it's it's pretty tough for me to go back and watch a lot of the matches. I haven't quite gotten to that level yet where I can just like watch a Benoit match and just not like think about all the stuff that, of course, wouldn't have happened. But he has a really good year as well. He's got, you know, False Con Anywhere stuff earlier in the year with Sullivan. And then he's mixing it up with guys as well later in the year. I think he really stands out too. So Benoit was my pick, but there's a bunch of guys you could pick as well. Like a Malenko, a Ray, uh, you know, even an Ultimate Dragon. I think are all really good picks uh, for for MVP here. So there's no shortage of good picks um, overall. And then, Rich, what's your rating? Because I think this is a hard year to rate. Give me a rating. I put it as a three because I really think that first half of the year is so bad. It's like super. <laughs> it's like it's horrendous those first half. So I I got to grade it on that curve in, in that sense where I think it gets really good there in the middle half uh, of the year. Maybe not as good as maybe we regard it. You know, going back and looking at it. So I, I I give it a three mostly because of that first half of the year. And I think if you know you lop that first half off, it's probably like a four because I, I think there we we get better years coming up. But uh, yeah, I think a three is about where I have it. And but a three leaning towards a four. So a, a, a three plus if you want to say scott what'd you give it i'll be nice and say a four um a lot of the nitros are really enjoyable to watch yeah. they had a really great run uh the second half of the year starting in june um is very good i think for the most part first half of the year is pretty bad but that's the continuation of 95 essentially so um you know once they catch fire they really really catch fire so i'm gonna lean and go ahead and give it that four yeah i go back and forth too and i'm gonna go four. um I think the second half of the year really, I, I, especially when we were talking about the the pay per views, I'm like, well, a couple of these shows aren't as good as you know you you think for what's really a really good half of the year. But like you just said, the Nitros in, in the second half of '96 are just so good. Mm-hmm. Like if you're gonna go Great back TV. and watch and watch a period of Nitro, like you should watch like the second half of '96 because you know the end of the original. I, I think especially for people who came in later, who just like saw the NWO was like this cliche thing that it would become by like 98, like the, it was just so like revolutionary and it actually felt like completely different from anything else going on in wrestling at the time. And you know, I, I don't know, like it, it really, it caught on for a reason. It's the best way. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Like, and, and it became tropey eventually when people would like join the NWO and it was like, oh, Vincent, oh, who cares? Like, you know what I mean? Like, but at this time it was like, oh my God, it's like six showed up. And then when like Bischoff joins, it's like, holy shit. And like, you know, the, the announcers do a great job too of talking about the dread of like, oh my God, what are we going to do? You know, WCW is really like, it just felt, uni- it, it, it felt, and like, yeah, it's, it's obvious like now it became, as you said, like super tropey and super eye rolly, the whole NWO thing. But at that time it was definitely not that. It was like every 
week, you had to watch to see what was going to happen next, who they were going to beat up, what was going to happen if somebody would join, you know, the, the, the sting story. Like there was just so much stuff. The TV is, is phenomenal in 1996. That's what puts it over the top to a four for me. Cause that first half of the year really is awful, but like everything from where Hall and Nash show up, like, you know, even before the official NWO, all that stuff is really, really good. So that, that's what saves 96. Um, all right, 97. And this is, this is a really, really good year. I mean, I, I think almost pr- what you get in 97, basically, is like you get a lot of 20-minute awesome matches. You know, they, they had the U.S. title as like another, um, as a second, like, you know, I guess you'd say work rate title in the first half of the year with Dean and Eddie. And, you know, before it goes to, like, in Benoit, before Jarek gets his claws on it in the second half of the year. You know, the Cruiserweights were awesome all year long. Um, so if you just want to see, like, really good matches, you'll see plenty of really good matches on, on the pay-per-views and on Nitro. Um, and, again, the NWO stuff is still good in 97. It's not hitting that, like, terrible cliche yet. Um, you know, the, the start of the year, that, that the Savage thing is, re- is like cooler than you probably remember it because like basically what happened with savage is like he almost shoot left the company at the end of 96 and you know like he almost went back to the wwf if, it seems like if you if you read the the newsletters of the time so he just disappears at the end of 96 after that halloween havoc match and then he shows up like hanging out with sting in the rafters so you think like he's gonna be sting's new partner is like this new like you know weird like not wcw but not nwo like faction almost and then he just turns on and costs Piper the title I think at, at Super Brawl and it's I don't know it's such a cool moment and like him joining the NWO just felt like you know I don't know felt like such a good fit and like he totally changed like 97 Savage is pretty awesome it's like the last time I think he's really awesome in his career probably and that whole DDP feud is like so fucking cool and results in some really really awesome matches so yeah 97 is good for the and then obviously you have the Wolf Pack. You know the original Wolfpack with Nash and Hall and uh, in in six, and they do some cool stuff too. You know, six kind of like carries a lot of these matches for the NWO teams, and yeah, I mean, there's just some really cool stuff here. And then obviously the the matches are really good. I mean, it's a you know the, with the cruise rates and stuff. So '97 is a really good year. I don't know. Anyone have any like critiques of '97, or do you mostly agree that it's been it was a good year? I guess Scott. Um, you know, I'm a little more mixed on it. Um, I think by the end of the year, the NWO is starting to, you know, slow down just a little bit. Um, I have big problems with Starcade 97. Yes. Um, that I was going to say that for the, I let, let's say everything up to Halloween Havoc, I think. Yeah. 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 Everything up to then is pretty solid. I mean, it's still, it's still a good year and the TV is not as good as in 96, but it's still pretty good. Um, the war games in 97 was pretty good. Yeah. Um, most of you, know, you had, uh, again, it was a lot of, like you said, the, the, the lower card guys getting time, having quality matches. And then the main event guys being the main event guys. I mean, 97, it's like a reversal to me where I think the pay-per-views are better in 97, almost universally than 96, but the TV and that second of 96 is a lot better than the TV in 97. I think. Uh, I don't know, Rich, what do you think? Uh, so I, I really like 97 a lot. I mean, I, I think it's probably my favorite year uh, of, of WCW, the, the my favorite full year of WCW, 1994, as I mentioned, the first half I really enjoyed. But yeah, stuff gets really, I mean, there's a lot of really cool stuff to sink your teeth into in, in 97. 
the nitros, as you said, not quite as good. And towards the end of the year, of course, by by World War Three and Starcade and, and and even Halloween Havoc to an extent, you start kind of seeing the cracks in the foundation. And and sold out kind of sucks, but I think everything in between that. I mean, sold out not kind of sucks, really sucks. But everything but sold at, out, like so that's really no. like it's interesting no. to watch though. No, it's not. Like, there's, no, <laughs> there's no other show like it. I mean, that's a that's a, I've watched that show a bunch of times. That show uh, is so fucking bizarre that it's it. I, I don't know. I recommend people watch that show. It's not good. It's not good, but it's so fucking weird. It is. Like it is definitely else. weird. It is it's definitely like nothing that. else yeah. they've done before or since that I think it's worth watching. Right, and there's a reason why they never went back to the well <laughs> with any of it. Uh, yeah, including the Miss NWO contest, which I don't believe they uh, they ever did again. But uh, <laughs> yeah, or at least did it in that style that they did it. So no, I mean, like maybe there's some humor that you can get in in, in sold out. But I think from Super Brawl until basically Fall Brawl really good stuff in, in in terms of wcw the pay-per-views maybe don't peak as as high as they did sometimes in 96 but i think top to bottom you get some good stuff and, and the storylines are still pretty solid and and everything's still pretty airtight there so i i really do like 97 i think the uncensored show is pretty good uh stampede's pretty good uh the bash is is, is all right like again none of these are, are are you know spectacular shows but you have a streak of like you know six or seven months where every single pay-per-view is pretty solid and there's a lot of good stuff going on there in terms of the work being done on the undercard with with, with, with still mysterio uh guerrero starting to kind of emerge as, as, as more of an undercard uh, threat. Malenko do, still doing great stuff. And like you said, six even short of emerging uh, as being the workhorse of the NWO. So I think there was, there's a lot of really good stuff to like from, from almost every uh, pay-per-view in 97. Yeah, I think there's a run. I think the run to me is Super Brawl is a very good show. Um, you know, with a, like you said, the Savage Turn is great. And there's a really awesome, um, well, not awesome, but a really a quite good six and D Malenko match, a, a good Eddie and Jericho match. Uh, uncensored is like the best uncensored ever, I think. Um, oh, for sure, yeah. Because there's that show is usually terrible, but that three way elimination match with uh, the NWO and Team Piper and WCW is actually pretty damn good for a main event in this era. Um, you have the Eddie Malenko match, which is fucking awesome. The US title match they had, um, and just you know, this is nothing that an Ultimate Dragon Psychosis is pretty good. So there's nothing terrible on that show compared to like what you usually get uncensored. Spring Stampede is like really good. That's another really good show. And Slamboree is very good. And Great American Bash is very good. So like and then again, Hogan's not around for a lot of these either, which helps a lot. And you know, again, the stuff where Hogan's not there is better than the stuff when he is. Um Bash of the Beach, eh. I don't know. Do you want to defend Bash of the Beach, Scott, since you said you ordered it? But I don't like that show that much. Um I like some of the undercard. Um, I like the first couple matches. I like the Benoit Sullivan retirement match well enough. The The Lucha Six Man is really good. Yeah, yeah that's true. And the rest of it is shit. Yeah. I mean, I liked, <laughs> I liked um, Kurt Henning showing up as DDP's mystery partner. I mean, that was cool, but the match wasn't any good. So, yeah. And then Benoit obviously- Rodman was, you know. There. He was terrible. Oh, stop. no, he's pretty bad. But uh, I was like, you know, obviously, I, I grew up in Chicago, so this is like a huge thing. This Bash of the Beach, I remember it had, yeah. like it was, it was everywhere. It was like Rodman's gonna wrestle. And it's like, oh my god, this Rodman's gonna wrestle, and like you know, so I, I enjoyed that aspect of it. Um, so no, I was I was all in on that match, and I still I remember watching on Scramble Vision being like, this is incredible. Like you know, not obviously <laughs> seeing what Rodman was doing, just know like because it's actually a great match if you don't actually watch it. If you just listen to it, you think it's incredible. <laughs> but uh, yeah, when you uh, when you actually watch it, it does not quite hold up as well as it does when you're listening to it but uh no i think i think the undercard and like most of these pay-per-views around this time the undercard of that bash of the beach is awesome like the jericho dragon match is really good 
Um, you get like NWO Japan showing up, which is always kind of fun when, when Shono and Mudo are there. Uh, as as Scott said, the Luchas uh, six man is pretty great. Uh, and then the Benoit Sullivan I, I liked as well. So I, I, the undercards of 97 really prop it up more so than they would even do in, in, in prior years. Or it, I, I should say, you know, like 98 is where, you, again, you see, you know, the, the, the upper card just completely tanks. And at this point, they hadn't completely tanked. They were starting to see it a little bit. But the lower card, the, the undercard was still kind of carrying the, the, the shows by and large. Um, Road Wild, I don't know. It was okay. Um, the the Luger title change at Nitro was awesome. They just fucking put it right back on Hogan six days later. I mean, I get why they had to put it back on him because of the Starcade thing, but yeah, it was uh, not a great main event there. Um, Fall Brawl, I mean, that <laughs> that NWO parody of the Horseman, in, at the time, I totally get why Arn Anson was mad. He, he Definitely had every right to be, and they probably didn't, you know, they probably went too far with it. And they shouldn't, they shouldn't next to beat down all that. But that parody segment is fucking hilarious. <laughs> like, if you go back and watch it now, it is really, really funny. So I have to give them credit for that. But I don't know. It doesn't sound like anyone agrees with me. So. Uh, it's all right. Yeah, it, it's it's funny in a sense because it's like the first time you and and like WWF obviously stole that and then just did it to death with like the you know the Nation and DX and they yeah. you know still do it to this day all the time. But no, it is it is definitely unique. But no, I get why Arn Anderson was really pissed because it felt like he didn't quite know what they were gonna say and then it was just like really like that's that seems a little cheap. Like you know you know this, all this stuff kind of seems a little much. But it is it is undeniably pretty funny at this point because then the real was still like again like it's hard to go back and in, in that frame of mind and 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 realize how much of a novelty and how interesting and and fun and entertaining they were because it would be so such a drag we're gonna talk about these next few years we're like oh my god we're like the last thing you ever wanted to see was the nwo or kevin nash making comedy or whatnot but this time it was still unique and still different or whatnot so no i I, i'm with you on that i do enjoy it um but at least her war games i really liked i don't know sky i think you said the same thing yeah i like the war games um i like the henning turn it was a really brutal turn yeah because it's yeah that's exactly why it's just it's a vicious vicious turn um Thought the match itself was good, you know. The other, Jarrett and Malenko had a good match. Uh, yeah. Guerrero and Jericho had a good match. Alex Wright and Ultimo Dragon had a good match. I mean, all this undercard stuff is good. I mean, you really can't go wrong with undercard in '97. Yeah. Um, Halloween Havoc. Um, I think someone said earlier you can you can start to see it turn here, but it still has you know another great Savage DDP match which they did all year long. Um, it still has you, you know, I remember liking the Eugene that got it ultimate dragon match a lot. Um no, that match is awesome. I was gonna mention when you're talking about best matches, like yeah. that's a sleeper right there. That that yeah. the first like what five or six matches on the show basically until Jacqueline and, and Disco Inferno. Yeah. Oh, I guess Alex Wright and Stephen Michael's probably not very good. I don't remember that one. The first three matches, I should say. Okay, let me let me slice it off there. I mean, that's are... one of the best matches uh, Mysterio and Eddie. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that, that's we'll talk about it in a bit. That's my favorite match of the entire year. But then the God of Dragon, do not sleep on that match. It's aw- like they come out and they're kind of like, you know, you're thinking, oh, yeah, it's like young lion nagata and it's dragon or whatnot and then they just start fucking slapping each other it's just like a brutal brawl and then jericho and gato obviously uh is brutal as well there's some botches in there that kind of make it but it's still kind of fun and interesting and and, and you know obviously knowing gato and, and seeing what he looks like in this match is always pretty fun too and then it's followed up those two matches that are both entertaining followed up by like arguably 
I, I would I would honestly maybe call this one my favorite WCW match of all time. I mean, this one is just, you know, and, and, and in 97, I think it stands above everybody else. But, yeah, you get those first three matches, and it just, yeah, from then on. And, and even the, the later matches in the show aren't bad. Like uh, Savage and, and, and DDP, they have their, like, sudden death match or whatever. Uh, it's pretty good. The main event's pretty trash on that show. But, uh, you know, I really, really enjoy those first three matches and then uh, the uh, the Savage page. So there's, there's a lot of good stuff in this uh, Halloween Havoc. So The main event came up because people were – it, wasn't it you, Scott, that like tweeted something about how like Undertaker and Hunter, like their combined age was higher than Piper and Hogan here? No, I was talking about the uh there's a tag match in ninety eight or, oh, okay. or whenever. Uh ninety eight, yeah, with Brett and uh Hogan against Savage and um Piper. Yeah, and the yeah. combined age was higher here. Than, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. much higher. Yeah. But which is crazy because everybody thought they were so old at the time. I remember yeah. I do remember that. Um but yeah, then World War Three. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's not it's not great. Um, it's pretty think. bad, really. Yeah, I mean, this is the one thing that's cool from the start of the, that starts here is like the whole Raven and the whole flock thing, yeah. which I, I liked a lot as a kid, and like that always felt like it got way more over than like it ever got pushed. But that was pretty much Raven's entire WWE run, where it felt like he was really over and never really got the push that. That level of overness deserved. I but, love that. I love the flock. I, I'll, yeah. I'll stand for the flock all day. I, I, mean, I, I love that awesome. angle. Yeah, yeah, they were great. Like anyway, and I, I know like Eric Bischoff on his podcast now that he does with uh, Conrad, he talks about how much he hated the flock and he hated Raven or whatnot. And I'm like, dude, I don't know, man. <laughs> like it's like really good stuff. Like I remember like one of my first vivid memories of like watching WCW and you know really getting back into there is you know Raven doing the drop to hold the Scotty Riggs and like blowing his eye out and all that sort of stuff. But it was really cool. I mean, they were unique. They were different. They were like you know front row. There was the idea like JJ Dillon's just like you know I'm trying to give this guy a contract because I think he's talented, but he's just like dumb. And it's just like this stuff that like this kind of work not. I don't want to say work shoot stuff, but this kind of reality based storytelling that WCW was so good at in this time where like you, it was because obviously like later years, they wouldn't even give a shit about telling like why Ravens, you know, gets to do Ravens rules and gets to do all this stuff. They wouldn't apply any logic to it. They would just do it and, and say, who the hell cares? But at this point they were trying to apply the logic that JJ Dillon was like, no, he's, he's a great wrestler. I know he's a good kid. I'm just trying to get to him. And he would bring his little gang of buddies over here. Like, but the idea that they still had to justify why this guy was sitting front row, why this guy was doing what he does, why there was Ravens rule stuff. Like it was all unique and different. It just added a different element. I think that's, what's so awesome about 97 WCWs. You have obviously your cruiserweights doing great stuff. You have Raven doing his own thing. DDP sort of emerging Randy Savage working as a kind of the, the mid card, upper mid card, NWO guy liaison that's working, you know, to to get DDP to that next level. You got Hogan still on his on his thing. You said the Wolfpack sort of emerging. Like there was just so much different stuff that you watch these shows, and it felt so unique and so different. Everybody had their own little stories, and everything was going on. I mean, they were firing on all cylinders at this point. Still, um, yeah, I mean, like the, the the other thing about the Raven thing, what I always thought, you know, kind of why it worked is it almost felt like WWE at the time would be like desperate for talent because they were in this war with the NWO. So I don't know if that was my head cannon more than anything, but that always that that's kind of how it felt to me at the time. Yeah, no, it makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Oh, for sure. So it may, and then like later on in '98, they'd be like begging Sting to stay, <laughs> like, <laughs> right. which they, they just felt too pathetic at that point. But but yeah, so I liked all that Raven stuff. So, so after stuff said he hated it. I didn't even know that. That's... Yeah, he just is always like, oh, it was stupid. And he would just like, because he hated his promos, was like, oh, he's just talking nonsense. And I was like, I love those promos. Yeah, <laughs> like, I'm, kid, I'm, I'm unique in that way. So, like, I don't know. I love the stink character. It's not like it wasn't over. It was really over. No, it was, yeah, fucking always crazy. Well, yeah. it's it's Eric Bischoff. So, let's be honest. Scott, do you want to join the Raven Lovin'? No, not really. <laughs> oh, you monster. I'm not How a massive you. Raven fan. I did like him um, in this period. 
Yeah, uh, this is, this it, it is was. Favorite. It was the many, many, many years of decline that sort of. Yeah, no, that that's powered fair. me down the raven. <laughs> that's yeah, sure, yeah, that, that's certainly fair. I would definitely agree that he he was nowhere near as good in WWE and his later run in WWE. So, yeah, um, DNA and then and everywhere yeah. else. So, um, Starcade '97. <laughs> um, this should have been like. This should have been the easiest show in the world. This should have been, you know, here's the big show where WCW wins all their matches and the NWO gets, you know, loses and maybe disbands or reorganized or something and they roll off in the sunset. Instead, what we got was Sting getting pinned by Hollywood Hogan, one, two, three, with a quote unquote fast count that yeah. really ruined this entire. I mean, he was so was so over like this is the he should have beat Hollywood Hogan like five minutes that should have been the blow off he ran yeah. all this time it should have been Sting beats the crap out of him the Stinger splashes one two three instead it was yeah even even if he won I think one of the things that I always say about that is like yeah the fast count sucked and the finish kind of sucked but like even if he won you could tell about halfway through that match everybody was just like uh <laughs> like oh this is not like it should have been he comes in and like you said Five minutes, stinger splash, stinger splash, scorpion death drop, done. You know what I mean? Or or even do, you know, the death lock and make him tap or whatever. But like the match is just going on and on and on. And as you're seeing Stink sell, you're like, no, what is he selling for? Like, why are we doing this? Like, yeah, it was like it, it only went, I think, what, 13 or 14 minutes or whatever, but it was yeah. like 10 minutes in, you already were like, oh no, this is this is not good. <laughs> like, this is not how it's supposed to be at all. And then yeah, of course the finish is just the cherry on top of just like oh, and they totally like, uh oh and the start of totally fucking up Bret Hart. Which should have been again the easiest slam dunk in wrestling history. Just awful. yeah, this company. Can you imagine? Like they are, they're gifted Bret Hart. <laughs> you know, at this time they're already on fire. They're you know about to have their biggest match of all time. They're about to get the biggest buy rate of you know that they would ever get. Like it felt like they were so far ahead of the game, and then within like two months they were just like you could already tell that. The, I mean, shit. By the end of this night, you could already be like, oh, hmm, I don't know, maybe all, this isn't going to work out. Like all you had to do was have Sting win in two minutes. Bret Hart comes out the end of the show and challenges Sting. Like, yeah, or not have Bret Hart have such shitty music. I mean, honestly, if he just came out with not shitty music, I think it would have helped. But it's just like, but how hard is that? God. How hard yeah, is that? Pretty hard. Pretty hard, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> it's not that hard. I don't know, Scott. Any thoughts on Starcade? Uh, I got a lot of problems with this show. Um, <laughs> the show we're doing right now, or this show? No, I'm just joking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The Starcade program. Um, I had on my wall as a kid in the months leading up to this match, I had a Starcade '97 pull out pinup poster from pwi i think my friend had the exact same poster yeah, yeah 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 that poster was awesome i had that on my wall like i was looking forward to this match this was as much as i'd ever looked forward to any wrestling show ever i was gonna see kevin nash and the giant someone was gonna get powerbombed or choke slammed <laughs> or whatever oh, yeah, I forgot that was supposed to happen here. <laughs> yeah that didn't happen uh top to bottom this show is shit like even the Guerrero Malenko match really isn't very good for a Guerrero Malenko match. Yeah. Uh, the Saturn Benoit match really isn't very good. Um, DDP and Henny really not very good. Zabisco and Bischoff go 11 and a half minutes for some fucking reason. Um, <laughs> and then Sting and Hogan is just a complete travesty. It's a, it's an absolute abomination. It's a mess. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, is. this is <laughs> yeah. This is a really terrible way to end a really good year. So, yeah. All right. <laughs> Let's get into best and worst pay-per-views. Scott, I think I can guess your worst, but why don't you tell me? Yeah, worst pay-per-view Starcade. Um it's pro- it might not really be the worst pay-per-view of the year, 
Um, sold out might be worse technically, and I don't care because Starcade personally is an all-time least favorite show and let down for me. Um, my worst as well. <laughs> I mean, can't disagree with any of that. I don't know, Rich. What do you think for worst? Uh, definitely Starcade '97. And, and I came out of the show and I was gonna. I, I also put down like worst matches of the years too, just to kind of get myself prepared and just in case I want to talk about them. But I put my worst match of the year as Hogan and Sting. And like, no, there are probably and I'm. I'm certain there are worse matches throughout the year, but nothing felt like such a letdown. Even today when you watch it, you just feel like the air letting out of the balloon, and you're just like, oh, no. It's just as, as Scott put it perfectly, it's an abomination of a match. It's completely the wrong way to book a match, the wrong way to, to have the match be styled. Like, just everything is wrong about it. Sting coming through the entrance way, like, what the fuck? Like, that alone, you're like, what do you know? No, he doesn't come down the ramp. Like, what are we doing? Like, it's just like they. it felt like they were intentionally trying to make this as shitty as humanly possible. So, no, it, 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 there are worse matches this year, and there's maybe a worse show, like Scott said, but there's not any that feel worse than this show. So, I, this is definitely my least favorite show, and, and, and I'll make it the worst show uh, of that entire year. So, uh, best pay per view, I'm going to go uncensored. Just, I don't know if it's out of sympathy for how awful the show every other year of that show is, <laughs> but like, I don't know. I really like that three team elimination match, I really, really like the Malenko Guerrero match. Ultimo Dragon Psychosis. Um, I even kind of like Harlem Heat and Public Enemy. So I don't know. I that's my pick for best show. It, there's a lot of picks that you could you go with, but I that's that's what I'm going with is uncensored. What do you what do you think, Scott? Uh, best show. I'm going to go with Super Brawl Seven on essentially um, volume of good wrestling on the show. Um, the undercard's great. You know the first. Three or four matches are really good. There's a good Eddie Jericho match. Uh, Benoit and Sullivan have another pretty good match. It's, I think, like eight minutes long. It's pretty short, so it's just sort of a thing that's on the show um, to help it stand out. And I'll tell you, there's a, a good Outsiders against Luger and Giant match on there. Uh, the mm. Hogan Piper main event sucks, but you do get the Savage turn, so that's pretty good. And it's only 11 minutes, so yeah. <laughs> something. What do you think, Rich, for best show? Uh, best pay-per-view for me, I'm, I'm between two. Like, I, I think Super Brawl is actually an underrated show. It's pretty good. There's actually, like, a good Prince IK match. I know it's shocking, but it's Rey Mysterio <laughs> in 97, which is it's tough. But I think my pick is, and I mentioned a little bit earlier, Halloween Havoc 97, which, you know, those first three matches are incredible, including, you know, arguably the best match in, in WCW history. Uh, and some good stuff throughout the entire show as well, even though there, there, there are some bad, you know, in, in that show as well. But I think ultimately that, that would be my favorite of the year. But I think Super Brawl is one that uh, definitely keep an eye on as well because I think it's it, it's an underrated card. Not a lot of great stuff on it, but almost all of it is good. I really like Slamboree too and Great American Bash. So like all pretty much all that Sand Shrink Stampede. Like there's a lot of good pay-per-views in this year. So yeah. um okay. Uh match of the year. I think Rich, you've made it very clear that you're uh, yeah, I think it, not a huge <laughs> huge surprise. It is of course Ultimo Dragon, uh Eugene Agata. No, I'm joking. Yeah, it's of course Eddie and, and, and Ray. So that's my runner up. But my match of the year is Eddie and Malenko from Uncensored. I love that match. And I went back and watched both of these before the before the uh, we did this show, just to see if, if you know which one I would go with, and I just I love that Eddie that Malenko and Guerrero match. So you know maybe I should take more points off for the end coming with six hitting Eddie with a camera, but I don't know it, it fits the era or something. It like it doesn't feel like a a really shitty fuck finish. It feels like Malenko. I don't know. It feels like the heat is in the right place where Malenko is like, you know, it's like Dean, you're a, you're supposed to be WCW and you're taking advantage of this. And W.O. Ruffian. It's like you actually get mad at Dean, which is, you know, you don't just groan like you do with these WWE finishes nowadays. 
So I don't know. I love that match. It's one of my favorite matches. So uh, what's your pick, Scott? Uh, Guerrero Mysterio. I mean, okay. it's, there's plenty of the, there's plenty of great matches right that pick. I could <laughs> consider, but I, I, I think that, uh, like Rich said, is arguably the best match in the history of what was officially WCW. Um, so, yeah, that's my pick. Okay. It's a really, really awesome match, but I had to go with the hot take, apparently. Rich, who's your MVP? Uh, MVP that year, uh, it, it, it's tricky because there's a few different ones I think you can pick, but I'm going to go uh, similar to what the PWI did it this year. I'm going Dean Malenko as my MVP this year. He was the he's the 500 winner at this point this year, right? If I remember correctly, that was 97. Yep. That he shocked the world by being the PWI one uh, number one, which, God, if Twitter was around at that point, I can only imagine the hot takes about that. But, uh, no, I remember even then, like even the message boards and, and, and websites that was like, oh, my God, Dima, like, what are you, these assholes doing? But, no, I think he was great this year. Just every undercard of every single one of these pay-per-views and Nitros and whatnot, just doing great work. I mean, Malenko was on fire this year. And, and, and working with the best guys as well. I mentioned 96 where it was awesome too. But you get guys like Jericho emerging and Malenko and Jericho having some good matches, a little bit more of the Lucha influence coming in, Mysterio. Guerrero emerging, Guerrero, uh, you know, a dragon being there. I think, yeah, Malenko was just able to work with so many of those different guys and get the best out of them almost every single time. Hey, we got the same pick, so that, that makes that easy. I'm also going the Malenko. Scott, who's your pick? Uh, I'm going to go with Diamond Dallas Page. It's um, a good pick, too. He's my number two. Yeah, he was hot in 97. The Diamond Cutter had gotten over huge. Uh, he just <laughs> savage elevated him to a main event level. He was just a workhorse all year long, and he was a reliable guy on uh the wcw side of the nwo war and he stepped it up big with sting out uh honorable mention i think to luger for sort of a similar role um and then you've got guys like eddie and dean who obviously had incredible years too um so the rating rich what do you have for the rating for 97 um, I'm rating for 97. Sorry, my dogs are probably going to bark here in a sec, so let me try to get this out quick. I'm a five. Uh, I think it's an incredible year. I mean, obviously, it, it, it's bookended by a really disastrous pay-per-view in Starcade, <laughs> which should drop it down a little bit more, but I just can't because it was just on fire, and everything in the buildup to Starcade was, like, perfect. I mean, and it, it culminated in one of the best buy rates of all time, most anticipated match of all time. But ultimately, it's a really, really great year with a lot of high-end stuff as well. So I'm, I'm at a five for, for the grade. I mean, I'm also at a five, and I just... You know, I thought about knocking it down, like you said, for Star K, but I just, I mean, I, this to me is like just, it's my childhood. It's the peak of, you know, when I, and it's my childhood and it holds up when I go back and watch it because it's just like these undercard matches are so good. The, the build for Hogan Sting is really good. Um, the NWO doesn't feel like they've worn out their welcome yet. It's just, it's just an incredible year. So I go with a five. Scott, what do you have? I'm going with a four and, it's because it was also my childhood. I was also very into it. So much of it was great. But what knocks it from a five to a four for me is Starcade. Um, it was the peak of WCW in terms of buy rate and attention and all that. And in retrospect, it was the obvious beginning of their pretty incredible downfall. Yeah, it's very fair. I can definitely see doing that. So 1998, <laughs> it starts out pretty okay, which I think is is hard to remember when the depths it would reach later, but sold out 98 is a pretty damn good show. I think um, with, you know, I have that Bret Hart, Ric Flair match, which is awesome. And one of the few things they did right with Bret Hart, the entire build of that would just Bret Hart says, I'm the best there is was ever will be. Ric Flair says I'm the man and figure it out from there. 
Yeah, um, another Hoganless show too, which also yeah. you know, Ken, I mean, it's Luther, like you know once he's he's gone, it's you know some good stuff happens. So, so. I mean, Luther, and a great buy rate as well, if I remember correctly too. Yeah, for a Hoganless show for sure. Luger Savage is okay, but like um, Kevin Nash is the Giant, it's just it's not a good match, but it feels like such a big deal after, especially after um, you know Starcade the, the the miss, and obviously the power bomb is one of the more memorable moments. But yeah, that's a pretty decent show, and then Supergirl is a good show too. Um, you know, you get the two TV title matches with Booker and Rick Martel and Booker and Saturn. Um, you know, you have a Jericho versus Hoovy, um, DDP versus Benoit. I should have mentioned Benoit Raven too from Sold Out, which is incredible. I mean, like all this, yeah. all the Raven, Benoit, DDP stuff, and he like carries these first few months. Um, you know, the Sting Hogan match kind of sucks, but you know, the Scott Steiner turn is great. You know, one of the, one of the probably the last great NWO turn, I think. Right, I can't think of any others that you'd even put at that level, but yeah, um, that sounds about right. But yeah, I mean, like, there's some good stuff in the early part of the year, and then it just like fucking falls off a cliff <laughs> after, after like, uh, where does it really fall? Spring Stampede, Spring Stampede is still a pretty decent show, and then like Slamboree, I think, is like the start of it just like falling off a cliff. And speaking of not good NWO turns, Scott Hall turning on Kevin Nash. One of the dumber turns of all time, and here you and this is also, also of course the NWO split, which is you know right up there at this year's Bullet Club split for really terrible angles that just go on forever. I mean that to me is one of the things that make Nitro, I don't know, like really a slog to watch back in this period because like this NWO thing takes forever to play out. Um, like it really starts in February, and you don't really get the the official wolf pack until like may like it just takes three months just to get to yeah it's just like, like dumb tension and stuff yeah I, I was trying to figure out when exactly it falls off the cliff and i i don't want to say uh, uncensored was pretty bad but i don't think it's that one i think it is probably like stampede or slambery where it really just feels I think like it's a, right after stampede stampede itself is okay I think it's yeah, right after Stampede. Then you just have like like Sting is like the solo tag champion and like the giant. It's just like they're just throwing stuff at the wall and they have no idea what to do with that world title yet. Like they the just have it. no goddamn clue what they're going. And like it felt ultimately it just felt like 98. They were just like swimming upstream because they just they didn't pay it off in Starcade, so they had no idea what the next step was going to be and had no idea how to finish the story. So they decided, similar to like, you know, what happens with many, many popular shows and many, many popular things is that like, until there's a definite end, it's just like, well, we'll just keep this thing going forever. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. And it's just like, at this point, everybody was kind of starting to get sick of it and the turns and the and and even the Scott Steiner turn, which was a pretty good in its moment just felt ultimately like oh here we go and then you have the the dumb buff bagwell stuff throughout the entire summer oh, where yeah. like you know he's he's you know legitimately gets hurt and comes back as his mega baby face and then they do very similar to today's wwe where they just cannot have a baby face they just have fucking no clue what to do with the baby face so they have this guy like a perfectly made big time baby face to do and then they just turn him and he just goes right back to where he was it just felt like, like everything they did just would ultimately go back a few steps or like, yeah or like popped out a wheelchair yeah, and then just like, ah, I'm gonna feel again. And then, like, they did that like three <laughs> times, and it's just like, oh, okay, like, enough already. And then, like, tease the Scott Steiner, Rick, F- uh, Rick Steiner thing. Like, they didn't eventually even have a real match until God, was it like Fall Brawl or whatever, even though he turned on him in February? It's just like, yeah. they ultimately, it, it felt like they just had no ideas left, and they just kind of completely tapped out at Starcade. And, and just like everything just kind of felt like it was going back to where they were before and back to what had already happened in 96 and 97. And it just felt like a slog throughout yeah, the entire like, year. Like, the, like the the early part of the year, like I said, like the Raven 
and Benoit and, and DDP stuff. That's really good. And Goldberg, you know, getting his first big run and just killing everybody. You know, that, that oh, Goldberg's was, great. Yeah, Goldberg's yeah. awesome this year. And, and you get a couple of really good matches early on with Saturn that are on pay-per-view that are good. So like that really hold up when you go back and watch them. So I, I think one of the things that most sorry not, and then then oh we'll let Scott talk <laughs> but uh, one thing that I really think in '98 and it, it, it's pretty obvious too when you see the quality of of the matches and the quality of the pay per views is that the undercard guys I think finally felt like wait a minute we're never going to get an opportunity are we like we're busting our ass out here we're doing all this sort of stuff and it's never going to change we're never moving up a guy like a Jericho who did an incredible stuff throughout the early part of '98 and even until the end of '98 you can tell he kind of towards the last few months realizes especially after the Goldberg thing doesn't really work out it's like how oh, the hell's the point and even malenko feels like he's just kind of like all right well whatever and like benoit who was i mean these guys were having incredible matches in 96 and 97 and now you can just kind of feel that they're just kind of like well what's the point man it's like it's not going to matter one way or another we're never going to move up and it felt like that was the biggest issue is that there was no change in hierarchy from those prior years where it just felt like the same old guys are doing the same old things over and over and over again and everything feels so similar that like you can tell in the effort as well the, the the main card guys had stopped giving any effort whatsoever like the big top tier guys in terms of your your nashes and halls and those sort of guys and then your undercard guys also stopped giving as much effort too because i think they realized that there's no upward mobility in this company that and, you're just never going to get an opportunity so and two of the worst nwo turns of all time with dusty sold out oh my god and yeah the oh, Hart, and the bret hart on the episode of nitro when he turned heel and like helped Hogan again the title after Spring Stampede, and then weirdly would never put on the NWO shirt. Did that bother anybody else? Because that really bothered me as a kid. It was weird. Like it a, was definitely kind of 12, strange, yeah. I was like 12 years old. I'm like, why is he in NWO Hollywood, but he won't wear the NWO shirt? And it was never explained. Nah, he just I was knew like, it sucked. I was, really, <laughs> I was like really angry about it as a kid. I was like, why would they not tell us why he won't put the shirt on? But I don't know. Scott, do you have any answers for me on the Bret Hart shirt mystery? No, because look, Bret Hart was my favorite wrestler. I was in a way psyched about him going to WCW because it was going to be, you know, new opportunities for him. Um, in theory, um, started out well with the flare match and then they clearly had no idea what to do. And they had to be fair. There was no spot for him. Yeah. There was no spot for another high paid main event guy. They already had so many of those. And the, the, these guys weren't going to sort of step to the side and let Bret Hart get over. Mm. So yeah. it was it was just a big mess with Hart. Um, a lot of the year was a mess booking-wise. They tried to flip things around here and there, but it just always felt so stale. Like, like again, Starcade 97 was, in retrospect, the beginning of the end for WCW. Um, and throughout 98 you can feel creatively the wheels start to come off of everything. Yeah, and, and I'm, I'm sure Thunder probably heard it as well, too. I, and, yeah. and, you know, Bischoff has said that as well, where it's just like, shit, we got to do two more hours of TV every week. And it's just like, you kind of felt, and, and I felt like everybody, because they had led for so long, were kind of resting on their laurels a little bit. But yeah, that they, they knew. And then I think once WWF sort of emerged and took and passed them, they realized, well, fuck, we're never getting back here. And like, everybody just was like, well, we got guaranteed deal. Like, that's when the guaranteed deals thing seemed to kind of rear its ugly head, because like your Nashes, your Halls weren't really doing anything. Bischoff felt like he was kind of creatively tapped. Hogan was, you know, in and out, not really doing much either. It's just like, yeah, you could just feel that like they knew they were done and they were just going to milk this thing for every little dollar that they possibly could. I mean, there's just a run of shows in the in the middle of the year. Slambury, pretty bad. Great American Bash, pretty damn bad. Uh, Bash of the Beach, quite bad. And then Road Wild and Fall Brawl, two of the worst shows, I think, probably ever, back to back. Which is not a, never a good thing to have. I mean, that Roll Wild show is just so awful. 
there's like there's nothing on that show even like like the only thing on that show that's even remotely worthwhile is like that Saturn Canyon Raven three way. Yeah, that's not and good. Like, <laughs> that shouldn't be your match. Yeah. And like, is that battle royal where Goldberg beats everybody in the company? And it's just like, well, yeah. The worst part is too is like they give Goldberg the title, and of course, you know, not surprisingly, it's in Atlanta, and Hogan's got a bunch of TV execs there and stuff. And oh, brother, I'm gonna drop that title to it. They have no fucking clue what they're gonna do with Goldberg either. It's like they build again, like they build to these moments, and then they they're just not quite sure how to pay it off. And then he's just yeah, in like a battle royal, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and then he's just kind of just marginalized from the second he wins the title. So it's just yeah, it's a disaster. Um, and that D- that Jay Leto match obviously is really terrible. Oh. Um, and then Fall Brawl, I said before, I almost said the worst war, game, war games earlier, and this is clearly the worst war games of all time. And the same one wants to argue with me about another one, but. Oh, no, no, no. This Scott, one's unquestionable. 93 is pretty bad, but this one's unquestionably, I think, the worst. Scott, what yeah. do you think of War Games 98? Well, they, you know, <laughs> ruined the concept of it by splitting it to three teams. Um, Saying you then, can win at any time. Yeah, so you, you can win at any time. You've got uh, just uh, uh, three teams. <laughs> three teams. God damn it! What are you doing? You got NWO Stevie Hollywood, Ray. which yeah, you got Hogan, Stevie Ray, and, and Bret Hart. Hart, who will put on the shirt. Why would he put on the shirt? He's listed here in NWO Hollywood. Put on the shirt, Brett. <laughs> Sorry. NWO Wolfpack with Nash, Luger, and Sting. WCW with DDP, Piper, and the fucking Warrior. <laughs> who? Came in, uh, God, I was that you know, it's amazingly the worst match that Warrior was involved in in '98. Yeah, out of the two he had, or well, I think he had another tag match on Nitro at some point with Sting, too. But yeah, um, that was probably the best one, so yeah, it's a really terrible show that has the, the, the Rick Standard Scott Standard like five minute match after the, all that built up that ended in a no contest. and it's a really terrible, really awful show. I mean, Halloween Havoc then is like a weird one where like in the middle of this awful period, and again, World War Three would be really terrible too. But like they weirdly managed to put on a pretty good Halloween Havoc. Um, you know, like the undercard, I guess, isn't. I mean, there's Jericho Raven, which is good for a seven and a half minute match, and you know, Bret Hart and Sting is okay, and then you get that Goldberg DDP main event, which amazingly only goes ten and a half minutes, but like it's just. I don't know. Like it's an incredible. Like this again. This is one of the things that at the time felt like a really, really big deal. This DDP who had been in these main events for all these months versus Goldberg, who's got this undefeated streak, and the crowd is so into this. They really wanted to see these two men have a clean fight. You know, these two baby faces in a clean match where one beats the other. The crowd goes fucking nuts for this. Um, it does a huge. The show does a huge buy rate, I believe. I think it did. But I know for sure when they replayed, because the show got cut off on a lot of pay-per-view providers, so they had to replay the match on free TV. That did, like, one of their biggest ratings ever. <laughs> like, their, their biggest quarter hours when they replayed that match. So, like, everything about this, the crowd loved it. And they never really did anything like it again. No. I mean, they doubled down on NWO bullshit, like, two months later. So, yeah. I mean, like, this, this match it should have been like a, a blueprint where it's like, okay, what's, what does the crowd want to see? They want to see Goldberg. They're tired of this NWO shit. They kind of just want to see good wrestling matches, which this clearly was. And they just never did anything like this really again. They went in the exact opposite direction. So I don't know. Any other thoughts on Halloween Havoc? Well, Hogan yeah. and Warrior is atrocious. I mean, yes, it's... that's a really terrible match. 
I mean, you do it. It does at least become funny with Hogan fumbling with the fireball and, um, and, and the rolls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, the heart sting match I actually think is pretty bad. Um, oh, okay. oh, it's so bad. Yeah, and you got fucking crab sting out there with his red face paint. Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> tomato sting. He was not. Yeah, tomato sting. <laughs> he was not my favorite. Um, and you know Ugh. they just. I don't know. It just felt like they weren't putting the effort in that night. It, it felt like two guys going, you know, fuck it. Like, I, I don't care. We're going to get 15 minutes. Let's just do what we're going to do. They'd actually had some fun stuff on TV leading up to that. But maybe that's yeah. what I'm confusing with. I yeah. No, the match itself. He, Scott's right. It, it, it stinks. It's like you, you think it's going to be good and they just like don't care. You know what I mean? And that's, that's I think what really categorizes the entire year is this is guys don't care. Like nobody cares. It seems like I don't know. I, I can't even tell you who cares the most in WCW in 1998. Maybe Goldberg Goldberg. DDP maybe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like DDP felt like the only guy that was getting any sort of upward trajectory. So he cared and Goldberg kind of cared for like the first half of the year and then, or, you know, up until he wins the title and then you could tell he doesn't care anymore. And Jericho, I guess, cared in the first half of the year and then he stopped caring. But by, by like November, nobody cares. Not, not a single person in the company nobody not nobody cares <laughs> everybody just wants this thing to go away and they just want to bleed as much money out of it as they possibly can so starcade you know i mean world war three is terrible there's really no point in talking about it starcade you get that kidman hoovy mysterio and then kidman eddie matches are good and then the rest of the card is a piece of crap <laughs> i mean you know kevin nash beats goldberg with via taser um and again, another match that, like, again, two baby faces, two big stars. Like, this did feel like a big deal at the time. And a weird thing that I almost think is lost in history is, like, Kevin Nash was, like, really over as a baby face at this point. Like, if you go back and watch those Nitros and things building up to this, like, the crowd was really into, like, the Wolfpack and Kevin Nash during this period. Yeah. I, I own multiple Kevin Nash shirts at this time. I'm not proud of that. But uh, they were available <laughs> at K 